Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. The Hertz Hourly Updates. Getting you to your let's go moments for over 100 years. Two hundred and fifty-five laps almost completed. That's seven and a half hours on the clock, which should mean just less than two and a half hours to go, or if you prefer, seventy laps still in the books. Um, but uh, and it's going to be nip and tuck to see whether we get to the to a three hundred and thirty-five lap marker. 80 laps, isn't it? Not 70 laps. I'll do the maths in a moment. I'm much better with time, frankly. Anyway, 254 completed at this stage, and Porsche Penske Motorsports 963 leads the way in car number six by 42 seconds over Nico Muller in the Peugeot 9X8, number 93. And that gap, well, it was closing, closing, closing a couple of stints ago, but now the Porsche seems to be well and truly in its stride, and Van Tor opening up a gap from 20 to 30 and now up to 40 seconds north of that marker. Matt Campbell is in a rhythm as well, having now deposited Jensen Button, and Jensen has since pitted the 38 car to hand it over to Phil Hansen. So Matt Campbell back into the podium positions in car number five. So it's Porsche from Peugeot from Porsche, and the third of the 963s in the hands of car number 12, Will Stevens, Hertz Team Jota. Then the Toyota number seven for uh, the Gazoo Racing pilot Mike Conway, but that car is due a stop within the next probably 10 minutes or so to even it up with the two cars ahead of it on the road. Alex Lynn, likewise, generally the last of that uh, top eight cars to make it stop. But Cadillac enjoy this phase of the stint to at least try and break into the top four with their V-Series R, car number two. They are sixth at the moment. The best of the Alpines is the A424 of Mick Schumacher, despite that very gravelly moment. And the gravel was the problem on the track before he then found his way into the gravel bed itself and thankfully breathed in and managed to avoid the tyre wall in car number 36. But it grabbed his attention. Phil Hansen's just taken over, as I say, the Jensen Button-driven uh, Hertz Team Jota car. So Brit in, Brit out, and the 963-38 car is running in eighth position. Yi Yifei and the Ferrari 499P is running in ninth place in the car that was being driven by Robert Kubica, we've just heard from, and Sebastian Buemi in the 10th place, number eight Toyota Gazoo Racing GR010 Hybrid completes the top 10 and therefore the points finishes as things stand. In LMGT3, Manti Pure Racing still leading, but only now by 11 seconds. Joel Sturm at the wheel of his Porsche 911 GT3R, number 92, ahead of the number 27 heart of racing team, Daniel Mancinelli, Aston Martin Vantage. Two Team WRT BMW M4s for Valentino Rossi and Sean Galeal, number 46 and number 31, third and fourth. Ahead of, in fifth place, the 55 Vista A, of course, of Ferrari 296 of Simon Mann. And Erwin Bastar in the Aston Martin Vantage D-Station Racing is in sixth. Hourly updates brought to you by Hertz. Getting you to your let's go moments for over 100 years. On we go then. 
working lap 257. And it seemed rather unlikely when we got things going at 11 o'clock that we might be able to do the full 18-12 kilometres. But with, well, fewer than 80 laps now to that target point, and we've had still to date just the two cautions... We're doing all right at this stage, and uh, so are those that are featuring in the top six positions. Mikkel Jensen now rejoins the race, so that was the 93 Peugeot being brought in by Nico Muller, being handed over to Mikkel Jensen. They're surely shaping up Jean-Éric Verne, therefore, for the closing stages. As over the line goes the number 38 of Phil Hansen new to the car, didn't see which tyres he was given, it might well have been a fresh-ish set considering he's a new driver in that he, uh, when the double stinting drivers they tend to double stint tyres at the same time because at least that driver is aware of how much punishment he has uh, processed into the tyre wear whereas Phil Hansen uh, presumably in also for a double, I think it's only the, the 12 car that are doing singles whereas the 38 have taken a different look at their strategy at the very start of the race, uh, 38 and 12 had the same strategy, but they went away. But I just wonder how some of the crews looked at last year's Qatar Grand Prix, saw the drivers being sick and thought, you know what, why don't we just give them a stint at a time, stint at a time, and maybe they then moved away from that policy. Let's hear from Jensen Button, Jensen he'll be coming Button, up. Your, your first race with Hertz Team Jota, and wow, that was good, wasn't it, with Matt? Uh, it was, I don't think he was very happy, but um, when he w tried to go around the outside of me in turn seven... I, I guess he thought I would take a tighter line than I normally do, but why? And then he just turned in, thinking I was driving off circuit, but I wasn't. I was just in my position for the corner, and I think he was out on the dirt, so he turned in, and we hit as he turned in. So it's a shame. He never want to make contact. But then he, he decided to uh, nail me at turn six uh, when he did get past me, which, uh, which is a little bit unfortunate, but there you go. All right, thank you. Cheers. Yeah, noted that at the time, that when Matt finally did get by Jensen Button, there was a bit of afters, perhaps, to make his feelings felt about the earlier contact. But brilliantly explained, as you would expect, nothing less from Jensen Button. He said, you know, we were in a fight, I was enjoying it, but there was no chance to get by at the first opportunity from Campbell. Yeah, and then also, just as he finished the interview, that little, little smile around the eyes as he walked off. He'll be back for more. You can rest on that. But uh, here we have... Porsche Penske Motorsport still first and third overall. The number six is the predominant car out of that pairing. Uh, didn't have the setback that number five did. Uh, again, it seems a long time ago you have to wind it back. In fact, our race leader is now entering the pit, so Lawrence Van Tour. Don't expect there'll be a driver change this round. He's only just done a, a single stint. Hold on, the door is being opened. Oh, what do I know? He's climbing out right now. Um, but they're sitting on that advantage of uh, really it opened out uh, quite a lot it suddenly got out to about 50 seconds I know it's not running exactly the same pitting interval as the others but uh, all is changing on board and uh, Kevin Estra is on if they go on to win it'll be the first prototype victory in the World Endurance Championship both for Estra and Lawrence Van Tour they've won bags they've won heaps in uh, GTE cars uh, GTE Pro Champ Kevin Estra 2018-2019 and then of course Great success stateside after a GT3 career in Europe for Lawrence Van Tour. But for Andre Lotterer, he's already got 10 in the bag. He's already got one WEC title. That was back in 2012, Johnny. You think it's just about five or six years ago. You then start looking through the records and realise 
Wow, Lotter has been racing sports cars for a long time. Of course, in recent years, he's been racing in Formula E, but I think this is his happy hunting ground. And if he can sort of mark his return uh, with a victory to open the 2024 campaign, that will be just what the doctor ordered uh, for the German. But uh, such a cosmopolitan crew. A French driver, a German driver, and a Belgian, all multilingual, all multi-talented. And are they going to start their campaign for 2024 with a victory for that number six Porsche Penske Motorsport 963? And don't forget that they built that little comfortable buffer of uh, being able to ha come in, have a splash and dash and get out if they should so choose without being overtaken because they just built a big enough gap ahead of the 93 Peugeot. Mikkel Jensen at the wheel of that, but... Uh, you know, it does seem it's, it really is the number six Porsche's race to lose rather than anyone else being able to suddenly mount some peculiar challenge to get out and overtake them. 2.58 laps now in the books for Kevin Estre, who has just returned to the race, so taking the number six Porsche over for, um, and uh, back into the stint he will go. Bit, take a bit of time for the timing screen to balance itself once more. We're at uh, almost 22, exactly 22.7, in fact. So two hours and 20 minutes potentially still to run in this race. Nick de Vries in his Toyota also returning to the racetrack, whereas the number eight car of Sebastian Buemi has been there for a, a little while now. And again, teams not only for their own cars, but also for those that they feel that they are racing will be trying to assess who is in the best spot heading into this crucial final couple of hours of which will virtually stretch to a 10-hour affair. The next car that should be wanting to come in will be Matt Campbell, I reckon, in five or so laps' time. And those that can extend the distance yet further, uh, Will Stevens in uh, the number 12 car. Did you say Matt Campbell? Yes. I've got a little, something to add. Go on. 6.39, local time. Incident involving cars number five, that's Matt Campbell, and 38, Button, at turn eight, under investigation. So, was it too tough out there on the track? Could two tango? We will find out, but that's another little fact. So just bear in mind, car number five running in third place overall at the moment, as Johnny said about uh, coming with the next two laps, and car number 38, that's Hertzstein Joe to Porsche, that has just had a driver change, Button out, Hansen in, but there could be some penalty going to either or. Bear well, in yeah. mind there were two moments. That's that's right. And uh, Jensen was complaining that first of all Matt Campbell didn't well expected him to adjust his line, and he said, "Well, why should I? Because I was the car ahead." And then eventually, when Matty did get through, there was a bit of hit and shoulder, a, a shoulder barge as uh, the five car got past so I think both incidents will be assessed well possibly they've only listed so far the one at turn eight which was the former of those two that was the one where Button went across and uh, Matty Campbell um, well no Button didn't move out of the way that was his explanation whether the uh, race stewards find another explanation remains to be seen but this race had all these little twists and turns but the one yeah. point of excellence throughout really has been the progress of Peugeot running not just second for a short while not just a little cameo role literally since the start of the race and uh, Porsche Penske Motorsport seems to have just moved up another level this year. So uh, they didn't get all the results they wanted, didn't get any of the results really they wanted last year. But uh, we come to a new circuit to start a new season. The competition's become even more intense. And within that grouping, the Toyotas and Ferraris, last year's predominant cars, are not at the front end of the field. The best place of any of those 
is the Privateer Ferrari in eighth place overall at the moment. So ahead of both of the Toyotas and both of the Works Ferraris. So uh, times really are a changing. We could see that from the outset. In fact, talking Toyota, number eight in to serve a pit stop. And Sebastian Buemi unpops his seatbelts. He's had enough of trying to ride the kangaroo, as he called it. And out he gets. Someone else's turn. So exactly the same stint lengths for Mick Schumacher's Alpine and, and for the Toyota. And Buemi is actually limping slowly off the pit apron. I think he's got cramp, possibly trying to brace himself in the cockpit here. I'm trying to overguess, but certainly not looking comfortable after that stint. Bear in mind, it's hot, constant twisting, but that was not a driver feeling at the, at the peak of his game going out there. He looked most uncomfortable. Yeah, and with the seat insert sort of hauled over his shoulder as well, as if he was off for a long day's work, or he was completing a long day's work more accurately, two lengthy stints in the uh, number eight Toyota, and not looking too happy with himself. That possibly also sending a message deliberately to his engineering team as well, saying you've got to do something about this car, because he will pity Rio Hirakawa, who's now clambered on board that. I bet they've done very, very little to try and rectify that, purely because time will not allow it. 59 McLaren for United Order Sports is now in as well. They've had a, a troubled time running 14th and 15th, but these are new cars to the team. Brand new car. I mean, it's a McLaren debut for the current iteration of the World Endurance Championship as well. So big story running 59 and 95. 1995 was the famous victory for the McLaren at the 24 Hours of Le Mans. And 1959... Was first, Aston Martin. Uh, well, yes, but it was, wasn't was that not the first Grand Prix win for Bruce McLaren? Very good. Well done, Johnny. Late on that year. And he, Name he, the circuit. Come Sebring. On, I, very good. I was going to say, I gave you the book this morning. You finished <laughs> yeah, 17th. I, you I've can find that out all, later. I've heard all the information through. But I think, was he not the, the youngest Formula 1 he was. driver at the time? Winner at the time as well at 22 years and so many days. I don't remember that bit. Uh, so is that the reason why 59 is associated with McLaren? It's good. McLaren are always reason. very, very reason. strong in their history. Of course, they rather threw things last year, the 60th anniversary, so their Formula 1 car was the MCL 60. But this year, they've gone back. The previous year, I think it was the MCL 37 or 38, and this year it's gone to <laughs> two beyond that. So suddenly, you know, that's their, their sort of make, nomenclature has uh, really moved around. Almost as much. They've been very traditionally strong. You know, it was the M6, the M23, M6 actually was the road car, let's not go there, uh, you know, etc., etc. Then when Ron Dennis and Project 4 took over, it became the MP, but then they were very strictly the MP4, MP4-2, etc., yeah. etc. Then they put a, put a hyphen instead of a, a, a slash. They moved their nomenclature, but it's been pretty constant. Ferrari, every year, you just got to have a guess where they're heading with theirs in Formula 1, which is always, think, a little disappointing. But hats off, full marks, Williams, FW, Frank Williams, and they still have that each year it goes up by a digit it's the right way around anyhow i digress it's still business time here at the circuit and the number five porsche exactly as you predicted johnny comes in for a pit stop matt campbell is he hopping out to go and see the race stewards or see jensen button no he's staying on board the aussie knows what's good for him still in third position he's had a remarkable start to his his season 2024 starting very well indeed but when you're not in the lead and your sister car is you're going to be a little bit hot under the collar because, of course, it's not a long season in terms of the number of rounds and any advantage any teammate can gain, they're going to be determined to hang on to that and just get maybe that little bit more help from the team. It's just something psychological sometimes, but uh, these drivers are winners and if you're not winning, you're not going to be happy. And it's also, as I was making the point to John Hindoff uh, earlier on, one of those middle-distance races where you get 
roughly one and a half times the usual amount of points you would get for a six-hour race, so 38 on offer, and therefore it will be 15 fewer for third position. 23 points is the uh, reward for finishing in third place. You're already giving up uh, a decent points haul before you've even started uh, for this uh, opening round of the championship. Two standard point-scoring races to come after this at Imola in April and Spa-Francorchamps in May before the big points available at the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Of course, everyone wants the trophy, crucially, but also when you start to look back at then on the, on the championship campaign after the big June event and you've managed to do well in it, you could well have 50 points in the sack heading into the the second portion of the season. Yeah, it's truly transformative. A top result at Le Mans, not just to be able to smile down and wave from the podium, but your points balance really takes a, a sort of turbo boost. Now, can I just pick out one team that's uh, just going better and better? It's second season running M4 GT3s, Team WRT. Valentino Rossi is third in GT3. Sean Galeel, 20 seconds further back in fourth. They've worked their way up that order. In fact, the better place of those in qualifying was, uh, get this, it was ninth in class. The sister car was about another five places back. So that has worked well for them. But for Team WRT running in the prototype class, it's not going as smoothly with the, the, uh, the BMW M Team WRT entries. 20 and 15 running in 14th and 15th overall. But that's sort of where they were in qualifying. The difference is they haven't got the experience yet to propel those further up the order. But certainly the M4 GT3s in the GT3 class looking very, very strong indeed. But that class, however, is still in the hands of Manti Pure Racing, not by, well, just under 20 seconds clear of Daniel Mancinelli. So the heart of racing Aston Martin is also in the mix, but then come those two BMWs. So Vincent Voss will have a smile on half of his face. <laughs> He's a very happy chappy most of the time and uh, adorning the typical uh, flat cap as usual as well. As Mikkel Jensen looks very chilled out, I have to say, in the Peugeot 9X8. They're in a great position, although they are losing time again now to the leading Porsche. So any chance with every tick of the clock of taking victory just seems to be edging in the wrong direction. But the good news for those supporting Porsche is that the next... Uh, the next for those supporting Peugeot is that the next Porsche is uh, a little way further back down the road. Expecting that across the line very shortly indeed. It's in the final sector, Will Stevens, and uh, about to cross the line. But timed at the moment as 59 seconds between the two. Yeah, that's probably about right. Getting confused with the gap uh, sectors as well, though, which uh, is reading 10 seconds at the moment between Peugeot and Porsche. But it's the best part of a minute, I reckon, between the second and the third place cars. Yeah, not wishing to sort of leave people out. I didn't mention Owen Bastar there because he's running fifth in GT3, but he's right on the tail of Sean Galeel. So it goes Porsche, Aston Martin, BMW, BMW, another Aston Martin looking very, very busy indeed. Owen Bastar, young French driver, looking to make progress. And early stage of the race, those uh, silver and red Vista AF Corsa 296 GT3s were right in the mix. They're down, though, however, in sixth and seventh in class. So it's not been so good for them. In the, later, in the latter half of the race. What have we got left? Just over two hours remain. Properly dark, properly good racing. But can anyone do anything about Porsche leading the top class, the hypercar class, and also leading GT3? Because it's still pure racing. And uh, Joel Sturm doing a fine job there. But the driver who will presumably bring it home uh, will be 
the driver of car 92, the driver who was kept to last, Klaus Bachler. He's had a stint or so already, but uh, he's got two hours and nine minutes remaining and uh, looks like quite a nice ride for him. Just under 20 seconds margin over Daniel Mazzinelli, the heart of racing team, Aston Martin. Yeah, and the BMWs um, are doing in GT3 what really Vincent Voss would like to be doing in the hypercar class, as you say. Half a smile because whether through to being deliberate or by accident, but I think really the former, they've just dialed those BMW M4s into be getting better in the latter portion of the race. Obviously, you want a car that's going to go well in the cooler temperatures, and it does feel like uh, they struggle to find their feet initially. But Valentino Rossi and Sean Galeo, the two silver-rated drivers, doing uh, rather better now. And the question is whether they can reel in either of those top two within the GT3 ranks. But Joel Sturm's doing a terrific job in the main bullet in the gun now for Manti. They, Manti did run 1-2 for an early spell of this race, 92 ahead of the 91 and with their Porsches, but it's now all down to the principally white car. Lithuanian entered, Manti Pure Racing of uh, Joel Sturm and uh, the bronze-rated driver that started that car, Alexander Malikin, big talent. We've got a bit more Klaus Backler, I'm sure, as well, as he waits in the wings to bring the car towards the finish. Certainly would. In fact, in GT3, it's uh, really quite a tidy advantage. The first two cars well clear. Valentino Rossi almost a lap down. Sean Galel, I think, has just been lapped. Porsche number five, 11 seconds behind. Just came out of the pits. He's on seat tires all around. OK, that was a message to Alex Lynn from Cadillac Racing, wanting to understand exactly who, what, where and when. They've been up and down the order. They had contact very, very early. In fact, uh, first corner of the first lap of the race. But at the moment... Uh, Cadillac Racing holding down fourth place, but is it a shimmerer? Is it a real picture? We will find out. Well, detailing that Matt Campbell, and here he is, in fact, on the team radio. And Caddy ahead, 10 seconds ahead, but he has two full stops to do. So on one side, the Cadillac side, uh, Alex Lynn being fed information that the five Porsche has just rejoined the racetrack and is behind you by just under 10 seconds and the state of Matt's tyres. And then there was the alternative message from Porsche Penske Motorsport to Campbell in car number five saying, this is the car you're chasing. And the Cadillac has two full stops still to do, rather indicating to us that the five car only has to do one and a half stops, effectively. The splash that we've been suggesting may be necessary for certain runners. And the Cadillac really from a long, long way out, has been thinking in terms of full stints, 32 laps, 32 laps, all the way to the finish. It remains to be seen which boat you'd prefer to be in, but uh, it's a 31-lap stint for Matt Campbell. He rejoined the racetrack just uh, a couple of moments ago, two laps to be exact, and uh, will be doing another further 32, then a full stop, another 32, uh, well, yeah, another 32-lap uh, uh, stint, there or thereabouts and then we'll need a splash we reckon to get into the finish well look i mean we're at this stage of the race just over two hours remaining cadillac has only done seven pit stops the race leader the top three cars have all done eight and the car he's uh, compared against matt campbell has done nine already in that number yeah. five porsche so you know they have done things differently the number five car had its hand forced by having to pit about 10 laps earlier than planned at the end of its second stint michael christensen unhappy it's been fighting back since it's still the car with that has uh, 
the record of the fastest lap in the race. Matt Campbell very soon into his first stint. 1 minute 39.748 seconds. Nobody else has gone beneath 1 minute 40. So clearly the pace is fantastic for the number five Porsche. But that early troubled pit stop has knocked them back. They could yet get a podium, but we're going to have to see how this unwinds. Two hours and five minutes remain. But it's the sister car that's leading the way. Kevin Estra sitting, he's nowhere near a minute clear. 56.5 seconds to be <laughs> precise. It's getting better all the time. Into the pit lane will go the 91 Porsche from GT3 and also uh, the Alpine for Ferdinand Habsburg, number 35. One or two cars rejoining as well. So we are hitting a phase now where more frequent pit stops are, well, not necessarily more frequent, but uh, a phase in the hour where more are due. Nick DeFries has been at the wheel of his Toyota for only nine laps, having taken over from Mike Conway and Mike's double stint. But again, the better placed of the two Toyotas is only in eighth place, ahead of, amazingly, one of the two works, or satellite works, Ferraris from AF Corsa. The 50 and the 51 have hit difficulties and at various points through the course of the race, whereas the 83 car... Now being driven by Yi Yifei in the uh, 15 laps for him, the Chinese driver. He took over from his Polish teammate, Robert Kubica, during the last stint. And, of course, we heard from Robert as well, who was uh, relatively chilled out. I think, you know, pretty happy to be on course for potentially a top six finish. Well, there's still some, it might even be top five, actually, depending on where the Cadillac is in its pit stop cycle. Cadillac due in next up to take it again out of fourth position a spot that it's been in a number of times already one thing that definitely amused me in this race like it just keeps putting a smile on my face was uh sebastian buemi raving to his engineer raging to his engineer this car is like uh jumping around like a kangaroo but uh, the fact is he's given it to rear hirakara who's now one of the fastest drivers out on the circuit however I want, he's lapping in the one minute 43 he's the race leader one minute 43 as well so that's similar but Oh, my word. Matt Campbell's got his dander up again. One minute, 42.2 seconds. He's running fifth in that number five Porsche. It's very, very quick indeed. Still has the fastest lap of the race, which is two and a half seconds faster than that. But that, I think, if it wasn't his, out, his uh, lap after his outlap, it was the one after that. So he's giving chase after Alex Lynn. They're totally different strategies. Alex Lynn's number two Cadillac has only pitted seven times. The number five Porsche Penske Motorsport 963 has done nine. But get this, the difference in terms of lap pace uh, from Matt Campbell... It's about two and a half. It's about one and a half seconds per lap. So that gap at the moment, sitting at uh, not many seconds at all, now down to seven point two seconds, is going to come down very, very quickly indeed. But I think in that case, Alex Lynn must be owing us a pit stop, really very soon. You can check with your magic box of tricks, Johnny. But uh, I think he's hanging on there. But they've taken a different tactic to their rivals, trying to stretch their stints as long as they possibly can every single time. But is it going to come and bite them? Yeah, 33 laps now completed for Alex Lynn. That Cadillac is capable of a 34-lap stint, but there was a segment of yellow within that to temper the speed a little bit. So I would expect, certainly, Alex to come in, well, probably at the end of this lap. And we haven't got too long to wait for the potential of that because he's now working lap 268 and is in the middle sector. So I would expect the blue-fronted Cadillac to round turn 16 and dive to the right into the pit lane for its uh, eighth stop of the race. Lap 270. We're aiming for 335. And the gap 
from Kevin Estra to Mikkel Jensen is now approaching a minute. So we said it was just under at 56 seconds, but once more, Estra is able to eke out that gap a little bit more in the favour of Porsche Penske Motorsport ahead of Mikkel Jensen and Will Stevens. Alex Lynn, uh, as I say, in that final sector and does indeed come down pit road. So Lynn in, and that will promote Matty Campbell back up to fourth position. It certainly will. And that gap, we mentioned it a couple of minutes ago, was about down to about eight seconds just before Alex Lynn dived in. It was down to 4.7 seconds. So, so Matt Campbell absolutely flying at the moment. How quick can this pit stop be? It's going to be a full pit stop, as we explained, with one further full pit stop uh, for Cadillac Racing, for Alex Lynn and the gang in number two. Let's see how this one unwinds. But they've certainly done things differently. Earl Bamber, Sebastian Bourdais, of course, the other drivers in that lone American Cadillac. GT3 led by Joel Sturm in his uh, number 92 Manti Pure Racing Porsche. And uh, that car, where is that on its current stint cycle? As the GT3 leader, again, those involved will be keeping a watchful eye on uh, their car, number 92, but also where others are pitting around it. Roughly, well, beyond half the distance of this current stint for Joel Sturm. He's been doing 26 laps. Though well, There is a, there was a 37-lap stint, though, from uh, Klaus Bachler earlier on. No, I think that's a bit of a glitch, actually. Generally speaking, 25, 26, maybe 27 laps at a push. So we're looking at 10 more laps for Joel Sturm versus Daniel Mancinelli in second position in the number 27 Heart of Racing, Aston Martin. And Valentino Rossi, 11 laps in. So that car, the BMW, in third position can go the furthest in this particular phase of the race. It's 7 o'clock at the low sail international circuit and another hour ticks by into hour nine we go then and Porsche are now working their way into a very strong position over a minute as an advantage now for Penske and Kevin Est over Mikkel Jensen for Peugeot Total Energies 270 laps now completed so uh, another 65 will see us to the finish with the target 335 to complete the 18-12 kilometre event here in Qatar. And a really good dice Ooh. between BMW and Aston Martin as they cross the line. That's fourth and fifth. Sean Galeil just ahead and now just behind Erwin uh, Bastar, who got a cracking run on the Indonesian driver, slotting up the inside then in the braking zone for turn number one. And the treble seven D station Aston is now ahead. Neat, tidy and pure. But it was all coming and Sean Galel did not make it difficult. He's too wise for that. And clearly the Aston Martin from D station racing had the pace and has moved through. Augusto Farfus is waiting to take over one of those two team WRT BMWs. Let's see what he can do to take it through to the end of the race. Well, so many times at the Rolex 24 every January, people talk about the importance of the final two hours of a 24-hour race around the Daytona International Speedway. I'm just getting the sense from the body language of the cars, John Eindhoff, that people will start to really mean business now. You know, Kevin Estra was plugged into this number six Porsche, and his job clearly was to try and extend the gap. He's doing exactly that. Back to the Peugeot. The difference being, JP, is that we've not had any safety cars or wave bars to close the field back up again. Uh, this has been eight hours 
of absolutely tremendous racing. It hasn't always been wheel to wheel, door mirror to door mirror, and there's been there's by dint of uh, of the regulations, there's had to be some uh, slight cessation of hostilities when you're on your second uh, when you're on your second run on a set of tyres for both the categories. But other than that, it's been absolutely fantastic. Kevin Estra leading, and he's pulled out even, what, in the last 10 minutes or so, he's pulled out 17 seconds on Mikkel Jensen. Now the lead is 67 and a half seconds. Uh, the track limits is still an issue, and Mikkel Pedersen for the, the Ford Mustang. TF Sport must be the most car, most team off the track at this uh, particular race and Tom Ferrier will not be happy about that so it's Porsche Penske by 67 seconds, then another 55 and a half back from Mikkel Jensen to Team Jota and Will uh, Will Stevens back in the car uh, and he's got round about 40 seconds to Matt Campbell who is charging and took 2 seconds uh, out of Will Stevens last time around you get the feeling uh, Bruce that we are that Matty Campbell is not finished with this yet there's a step on the box there and he's out of kilter let's not forget uh, with the the cars around him he's only nine laps into a stint uh, when we get to let me see they're, they're all being able to do about 30 laps at least, aren't they? So yeah, correct. Yeah. So at the moment we're working two seven uh, three. Um, so we are inside two stopped territory now. Sixty two laps to go to the distance. Uh, it's going to be tight. We we might actually get to the distance, and if we don't get to the distance, we're definitely in two stop territory at the front of the st at the front of the the race now. So what do you do? What do you dive within the next couple of laps, or do you stay out and, and hold on to the strategy that fate has handed you? Well, uh, it's the thing that's coming into my mind is that actually a better last lap for Mikkel Janssen in second place. He seems to be dropping away, but we know traffic can have its role. I suddenly started getting this image of uh, three Porsche drivers on the Ooh. podium. Number five, uh, well, Matt Campbell has been pushing Campbell on. Campbell just got off. Gone off, gathered some gravel, scattered it around the track and continued. <laughs> that could puncture the theory before I've even finished a sentence, Matt. I was going to say we could have three Porsches on the top three positions because I'm just beginning to wonder if uh, Peugeot can hang on in second place. But there has been a response from Mikkel Jensen, so... But that was a moment for Matt Campbell. That'll did he jump? Was he pushed? Or did he... Oh, okay. he got on the gravel. Turn nine, all on his own, onto the gravel yeah. that sits on the track within the line. It's been there in increasing amounts. And he just, just missed the barrier. He, That's where Mick Schumacher had a big ride sorry, through the gravel yeah. in traffic a short while ago. But here he is. Oh. Yeah. Oh, just got the left rear onto the gravel. And he was... That was the loaded tyre... And at that point, it snaps. So he did really well to miss that outstretched barrier to drivers left there. How much of that was good luck? How much was good management, Bruce Jones? Well, I'm not entirely certain. Well, we were talking about the fact that the drivers could all spend as much uh, time on a simulator before they came here for the first time. But I said to Johnny, 
is there any simulation where you can feel what it's like if you drive off through a gravel trap? They don't know how deep it is, but, you know, it's something they maybe have to work to in the future. But your point, more by luck than judgment, did he just get enough grip to not go on and kiss the end of that barrier? But the corner on which he went off, turn nine, since about a lap into the... About a lap, I, I fear. About an hour into the race, had gravel sitting on it. It's now halfway across the track, so the racing line is tiny. And he's actually he's done quite a good job for a lot of the other drivers. He's pushed a lot of that gravel yes. off the track, but there's still... But it's like a sandbank. I think they play cricket on it at high tide, John. The, uh, he only lost three seconds Wow! Uh, in, in, uh, on that lap. He was sideways twice, got onto the gravel, had to avoid the... I was going to say the sponsor logo, but that was basically Armco Barrier, steel barrier there that has got um, some... Um, hoardings in front in fact it's not even that is it it's it's just a, a paper wrap and following on behind there's another couple of cars no, this that have gone off that's one of, this is a replay is John and that's where Mick Schumacher oh, that was went Mick off Schumacher. and showed how it was nigh on identical the difference was with Mick Schumacher yeah. he was going up the inside of a, a GT3 car into uh, turn 9 and they both slid off because uh, maybe he was a bit ambitious, but for Matt Campbell, he was all on his own and is now in the pits by looks of if I No, maybe it wasn't. I just thought I saw a number five car. No, it wasn't. It was a number it's 51 board 51. I saw. So, so it's uh, AF Corsa. Uh, Ind uh, indeed so. Um, I, 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 was, I was just wondering if Matt would be able to close down, but he, he, immediately he's back on the pace and he's the quickest car in the top ten. 42-0 last time around, 44-5 for the leader, 44-8 for second place Michael Jensen in the Peugeot, 43-7 for Will Stevens, and 42 flat for Matt Campbell. Extraordinary. So 1.7 seconds out of Will Stevens. Now the, the lead's gone out, the gap to the third step on the podium has gone out to 21 and a half seconds. This is not over for Matt Campbell yet. He's not giving this one up. Well, he's got no choice, has he? You know, they've got to roll the dice. But, I mean, the fact is that that first flying lap after he's ostensibly got the gravel off his tyres, I guess he had half a lap. <laughs> and he goes and nails one of the quickest laps of the race, certainly the latter stage of the race. Most drivers, as you say, lapping into one, one minute 44s. The quick drivers, very high 43s, but almost into the 41s. Campbell, absolutely astonishing at this early stage of the season. For Ferrari, John, came here with high hopes. We had one leading the race. Miguel Mollen around the outside to take the lead on the opening Brilliant corner course. but where, what are we looking now we're looking at the, the AF course of the privateer entry with Ye Yefe in fifth and the best works car the better place the works car is eighth overall Nicholas Nielsen car number 50 and the car that had the tail section uh, pop off with a little bit of contact 51 all the way down just coming out of a pit stop in 16th place for James Collado and he might be able to go on one more pit stop um, from yes. that it's tight, but I think he probably can, James. Uh, it also, it, waiting for Nicholas Nielsen to come back out again. Uh, yeah, sorry, Nicholas Nielsen should be able to go from there. James Collado, when did he tight. get into the car? He's only just come oh, out of no, the pits. He's just come out of the pits. Mm, that is going to be tight. One lap here or there that might make a difference. It will very much depend, I think, the pace of the leader. Because what we don't know, if you're not in the lead... You don't know if you're going to get to the distance of the time. Now, it looks like we are going to get to... It actually won't be 1,812 kilometres because the way the lap count works here, the, it will be 1,814.75 kilometres or 1,127.633 miles. Ferrari 
Yeah, of course, a crew going to work on the number 50 car, somewhat recalcitrant left front. But that has now been dispatched. And they have gone, no, they're still on the reds, which are the hard tyres, despite track temperature now having dropped to 26 Celsius. It was 37, 38 when we started. So which cars, Bruce Jones, are going to come alive in the night? This is like the last couple of hours of Sebring. Uh, our, normally our Porsche keys to the race that we talk about at uh, the IMSA races. You, you wonder in these long races, who is going to have the setup for the cooler track temperatures and get the car to come alive in the last two stints? Well, that's the same question we've got to ask ourselves here. Well, quite... quite uh suitable you say Porsche keys tonight because it's the Porsche that seems to be having the greatest advantage as the temperatures start to fall away really from about two three hours into the race the driver's saying it's still hot but it's starting to cool then of course we got to evening and they've just gone better and better and better yeah. that's why look can you find any similarity between three of the top four runners yes we can that Peugeot 9x8 is the only interloper and then we've got another Porsche in sixth place overall. So five of the, sorry, four of the top six cars are Porsche 963s. It's been extraordinary. Just going to see where the Proton car is. Also heading for the final point at the moment, Neil Gianni at the wheel of 99. So the Porsche 963, not just a works team, but of course with privateers teams too. And they've chosen well because it's a car that seems to start this season as the best of all. Another two seconds taken out of Matt, uh, taken out of Will Stevens by Matt Campbell. A 43-4 to a 45 Three, all right, 1.9, but don't be pedantic about it. So that gap now is down to 17 and a half seconds. And again, he's faster than everybody ahead of him. Half a second quicker than the leader, half a second quicker than the second. Now, look, that's another 55, nearly two minutes up the road. So don't, don't worry about those gaps that we're talking about to the leaders at least not for the moment but remember Matt is on a drastically different pit strategy he's been out there 14 laps Will Stevens has got 5 or 6 laps to go before he pits Michael Jensen has got probably 9 10 laps to go and Kevin Estra has probably got 13 or 14 laps to go um, whereas Matt Campbell as I say has probably got 15 or 16 laps to go so Matt Campbell now has the choice of short filling within the next couple of laps and getting one more full stop to the end or riding his luck and hoping there's some kind of neutralisation before the end of the race that will bring him close at the teams ahead of him. And I think you play that second card. He's quick at the moment. A couple of retirements to tell you about. He's Otto Flaschini. Uh, Antonio Saravale brought the car into the pit lane with broken suspension, which the guys had a look at, and they thought they might be able to fix it within about 90 minutes or so. But they weren't entirely sure um, why it had failed, and they thought to themselves, well, it could easily break again. There's a safety aspect. Let's start re-prepping the car, getting it ready to uh, go back to base before it goes to the next round in Italy uh, however talking to the guys at Isotta and uh, uh, a particular thank you to Fulvio who was uh, sitting in uh, Fulvio who was sitting in front of me um, they're very happy with how the two young drivers have gone on they hadn't even tested the car before getting here to Qatar and they feel they've learned a lot about those drivers about themselves and about how to run the car so not the result they wanted clearly but that said 
they are still reasonably happy. The other car that's gone is the TF Sport Corvette number 81. And that was a driveline problem, gearbox selection issue when Charlie Eastwood... Uh, actually, I was going to say, brought that car in. He barely got it into the pit lane. He was just across the pit lane speed limit line, which meant the TF Sport mechanics could go and push it, not with a Corvette V8 power, but with person power, and they got that back in. There's some, there's some really important pit stops coming now at the front of GT3. Uh, Daniel Mancinelli is in and out, if that makes any sense. He takes, he's only a little lad, so he has taken his seat out of the car. And that means that the last hour and 45 minutes, I reckon, will be Alex Riberas jumping into that car. Ian James, the bronze, did his uh, time quite a long time ago. And so that was the car that was battling for the lead with the Porsche. So that's, there'll be one more pit stop for that car before the end of the race. Augusto Farfus is in the BMW for Team WRT in seventh. Valentino Rossi, by the way, still in third. Um, we'll have our Hertz hourly update in about 15 minutes' time. I get the feeling, you talking about the wick being turned up, Matt Campbell's now within 15 seconds, one five seconds, of... Uh, of a podium position oh, I think there's one or two people here who are going to say it from now Bruce I agree with what you said earlier right let's there's no point in holding on to any kind of performance as Phil Hansen is trying to close down Yeah, for 5th and 6th in the Porsche and the Ferrari um, it's you know open the fast draw get everything out and throw it at the car yeah I, th I think I think John what, what's remarkable about you can tell just how, how handy the Porsche 963 is. It's not just that Matt Campbell's fast. He's doing it lap after lap after lap. Suddenly a bit of response from Will Stevens. He just banged in a near-identical lap, 1 minute 42.3. He's got a, a, a scent in his nose. He's 22 seconds down on second place overall, Mikkel Jensen. But he can't hang back because Matt Campbell is no. coming. Not long ago, you thought, maybe if, maybe a few circumstances. No, no, on pure pace, Matt Campbell is coming. Will Stevens has responded, and he certainly drove brilliantly in the opening stint of the race. So he's the guy they want at Hertz Team Jojo in that number 12 to take it through towards the finish. Mikkel Jensen, his lap pace is up and down. It's still not bad. And the car we don't have to worry about, Kevin Estra, he's, he, he just laps <laughs> not as fast as the others. He doesn't need to. He's, what, 72 seconds clear. And with his teammates, he's got the run to the finish. It's uh, looking good. But it's been a race... Plenty of racing. It's a 10-hour race, though. You know, you think how many races we lead, lose quite a few runners with a six-hour conclusion. And here we've only lost the two. You just went round, round through the pair of them. We've had a really good WEC debut, not just to this season, but to this format with the hypercars joined by the GT3s, lots of manufacturers, and a circuit on which they had space to go out and play. So I think that's been important, too. Lead GT3, LM GT3 cars come in, answering the pit stop of Alex Riberas and Heart of Racing Team and Klaus Backler I'm sure will be installed into that car I'm pretty certain I saw his helmet getting yes it is as he heads out of the pit lane now and where is Alex Riberas keep an eye open as he comes across he's going across the line now this is going to be pretty tight actually as Riberas has got some heat in the Goodyear tyres and just up the road through turn one Riberas coming into turn one with the a Ferrari 499P just going 
through the inside and that's not what Alex wanted there. He wanted a clean run through the first part uh, of the lap and behind him he's got Valentino Rossi. Rossi coming to the end of a stint on a track that he knows very well. Four wins for Yamaha here in his career. Uh, he's done it's 20, 20 laps on this set of Goodyear's. Wins for Rossi in 2005, 6, 2010 and 2015. And by the way, just for you statos, uh, that was Rossi's 78th, 80th, 104th and 109th win in MotoGP in his 154th, 159th, 228th and 313th races. And the, the margin of victory, 0.174, one second, nine tenths of a second and 1.6 seconds was his biggest margin of victory so he knows his way around here on um, a variety of Yamahas and for a variety of teams down through the years I think he's done a very good job he's sponged up the information he's got a year of BMW driving behind him now Bruce and you've got to say to yourself the improvement that he's shown within the first year of his proper career of GT3 driving what would he have been like if he'd started five or six or ten years ago? Look, he came into a fantastic culture at uh, Team WRT. You know, he knows that team is run by clockwork, but they also have a lot of a real brains trust there. They share the information, but you don't succeed in a sport without having the laser focus as well as the ability. And that's what he sucked up. He, he became fast, then he became consistent, then he puts uh, some wins in the bag. And he's absolutely adoring it. And, uh, you know, when he gets to race for proper in the Le Mans 24 hours, that was his target. But it's not just to compete there, it's to go and do well there. And you know what? Looking at the way those M4 GT3s are running, it's every reason he could be looking at the possibility of a podium there after 24 hours. Tangle of the airlines for D-Station. An unusual miscommunication there. Um, the two air guns, and you're only allowed two air guns, uh, Marcus Orison uh, had to wait for a moment as they disentangled themselves. They almost brought the gantry down over the top of the triple seven. And that is very unusual indeed. And that may have cost... Well, they're, they're right in the mix as well, actually, aren't they? Of course, they are. Yeah, that yeah. was their 10th stop. So we're waiting for Rossi to make the 46 cars 10th stop, and that'll drop him back. He's the only one of the top cars who's not made that stop into the pit lane here comes WRT excuse me WRT Hertz Team Jota that's the one with the green headlights when they go on the pit lane speed limit which means it's Will Stevens in the number 12 and uh, that by my reckoning and when I say by my reckoning actually with the computer is 30 laps and we have um, in that case if we're on 282 yeah, he can, he can go with one more stop from here. So this is the penultimate stop. He's climbing out, though. He's climbing yep. out. Callum Eilock will take it through to the end yes. of the race. Callum's done you know, fewer stints than the others and uh, a driver who's uh, really nailed his colours to the mast now in sports car racing and uh, good environment. They've fallen to fourth place. Will they fall to fifth? I think they're far enough ahead of that uh, yellow Ferrari, the non-works Ferrari, entered by AF Corsa to return to fourth place but they're now behind the number five out of kilter out of sync entry from Porsche Penske Motorsport in which Matt Campbell has, oh he's just banged in a 1 minute 41.6 1 minute 42 flat simply was just too shoddy to be considered 
Yeah, well, they've got a problem now with Matt Campbell because if nothing happens and we just stay flat out in green, they've got half a stop. Well, you can't have half a stop. You can't just come halfway down the pit lane. Mm. That's That stop from, from Will Stevens was actually 31 laps in. There's 53 laps to go to distance. And um, so that's the maximum amount of laps we've got to go. It could be fewer than that if we get slowed down, but that's the maximum that we've got to go. So clearly if he's doing 31 lap stints, they can do it with one more stop. Whereas with Matt Campbell, he's coming up on, what's he done now, uh, 20, 20 laps, did I say? I think I did. Um, and therefore... Oh, it's going to be tight. All right, it's Michelle Gatting uh, from the Iron Dames down in the pit lane. Let's have a chat with her. Michelle, I saw you on the grid. You were all pumped up. Uh, how did it go so far? Is it tough? Are you happy with the results? You're in the top ten. Yeah, I mean, I would, uh, I would lie if I say that we're aiming to be in the top ten, to be honest. Um, we knew this would be a difficult race. Uh, we're struggling with a bit of, um, let's say, oversteer. So uh, the first two sectors, the car is super nice to drive. The last sector, the fast part, it's uh, it's uh, moving a bit. <laughs> it's a new car, so you need to work on it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a step by step. We knew it would be tough, but uh, yeah, we like I said, we're not aiming for a top ten. Uh, but uh, I think for this time, it's the best that we can get. Okay, good luck. Thank you. Thank you. It's been an up and down race for the Dames. Got a penalty uh, earlier on, if memory serves. Uh, they were in the mix. Oh, they're they're easily in the top ten. Yeah, they're very much. They're eighth at the moment, but they had uh, bodywork damage left rear corner from the, from the opening lap of the race. And I'm sure it didn't seem to hinder them too much, but it kind of made the car handling very nice for Sarah Bovey in that opening stint, so time lost as that was sorted out, but they have gradually fallen back. But uh, they will be back uh, for another day. And Augusto Farfus just making up a position there, Bruce, on Simon Mann. There was that great battle between Simon Mann, uh, the Dames, and um, we had uh, one of the Accordis LFs in there as well, didn't we? But uh, Augusto Farf is doing Augusto things, pulling that car up to fifth position. So two Team WRT BMW M4 GT3s in the top five at the moment. Although Valentino, of course, has still got his tenth stop to make. Um, he, I think he's. I don't think he's done a double yet, has he? He's he's done singles, um, and they've they've done a slightly different. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're. They've done a slightly different, uh, slightly different strategic run with those cars. I'm still looking at what's going on between Klaus Backler and Alex Ribeiro. So it's 22 seconds between those two, and they lapped down to the tenth last time around. Nico Lapierre, a very smiley Nico Lapierre, when I saw him at the launch of the Alpine A424. Pits from just outside the top 10. That's going to drop him down to the mid-teens. 14th or 15th, depending on how quickly he gets out. Julian Andlauer is the next car for Proton to come through. The fat turbo car. Um, and I think, yes, he has just got out in front of that car. Waiting to see who's taking whether Nico stayed behind the wheel of that. Uh, the gap now, after the pit stop, we've got... 
Porsche, Peugeot, Porsche, Porsche, Porsche. As Callum Islet now in Hertz Team Jordan at number 12. Phil Hansen pitting in the 38, the mighty 38. So that means Matt Campbell is up into third position, but still with that pit stop to make in about eight laps time, maybe 10 at the outside. But at that point, we will still have too many laps to go for him to make it to the end. He needs help. He needs a virtual safety car or a full safety car. Um, full course yellow, I don't think will do it for him. And the doctor is out of the 46 car. I thought they were going to have to pry his hands off the steering wheels, but, uh, you know, big smiles all around from Team Boss Van Sam Voss. And, you know, there'll be a, a sigh of release. That'll be Valet's uh, final run in this race with what have we got left? An hour and uh, a half or thereabouts. He's done a great job. And so this is the World Endurance Championship. Not This isn't, John, just any old World Endurance Championship. Oh, no. This is a new level. This is a, the springboard into, you know, possibly the greatest age for decades, if ever in the World Endurance Championship and the, the championships that went before it. We've got variety, we've got numbers, and we've, we've had some cracking racing. It's been a really good start. Uh, the, real, the real concern from Team WRT, or from WRT, um, was that they, they could not understand what was going on with those BMWs. They've run them for a year, and they were literally scratching their heads, wondering why they couldn't get the performance out of them in the early part of the week and at the prologue. Now, what they've unlocked since qualifying yesterday when they were not nowhere because the, the gaps weren't big. We're talking three quarters of a second here and there, but which, you know, on a for them, a, a what? Um, one minute 55 lap. It's, it's not huge, but they still felt they should have been nearer the front of the field. Their race pace today has been exemplary. Um, I don't think we've called their name at all in terms of the myriad of uh, of penalties that race control and the stewards have had to deal with. And that is the benefit of a team that knows how to go racing. Um, has raced at this level in LMP2. That's the experience they, they bring to this, Bruce. And what, what have we been saying all day? Only the top 10 score points if you want to be in with a chance of the championship at the end of the season at Bahrain uh, at the end of the year you are going to have to take whatever points are on offer and try and squeeze a few more if you can off the road for the number 35 Alpine well it's not the and first time that one's been off but just to go back no. to that uh, WRT entry the two entries in GT3 they qualified 9th and 15th so points mm. were only just sort of on the edge of the plate for them but there they are they've moved their way up the order again teamwork about uh, just not getting too excited and uh, should be getting a suitable chunk of points way more than they, they would have expected so they've done what's required Charlie. of them Charles E by the way in the 35 car um, um WRT alumni won championship with them a few years ago and well thought of by the whole organisation there of Vincent Voss and this, this, the Brains Trust you were talking about earlier on. I mean, only the people who won Le Mans in, um, with, with Mazda uh, uh, are there, let's be honest. So they, they've, they all know what they're doing and they've been around a very long time. Vincent Voss a canny operator, a decent driver, more than decent driver in his time. He always jokes about him 
that knowing me when I was very young and very slim, and I said yes, and I remember when you when you were a driver and had hair. Now he has a cap. Um, now he has it. Ha- do you know what? He hasn't worn his cap all week. Too he hot. Has not- yes, absolutely. It's, it's the first time I've seen him at a racetrack for I can't tell you how long, Bruce, where he hasn't had a tweed flat hat on. That's one of his his trademarks. And by the way, whilst we're talking about characters like Von Sant in the pit lane, um, it would be remiss of me. And if uh, if uh, you and Johnny have spoken about this, I I, I apologise, but I, I do want to just remember Hugh Chamberlain in this broadcast, uh, a fantastic character down through the years. Always had a smile and a word for us at Radio Le Mans. Would always come in when he was running cars, when he wasn't running cars at Le Mans. Sadly, um, he uh, died losing his uh, battle with cancer that he's had for a couple of years now. Um, Huge, as he was known, um, for his uh, his girth and his character. In fairness, he was well named. Was huge uh, and small. Gillian, the uh, long-suffering, far better half. Gillian, uh, we pass on our condolences to you. Our paddocks, Bruce Jones, will be uh, a far less interesting, happy place and one less full of anecdotes absolutely I've got no one left to have serious rugby conversation with but you know (laughs) true to form to the very end he always said if you're going to retire do it at the start of the night don't work the whole way through and that's precisely when he he clocked out we'll miss you Hugh yeah Yeah, he's uh, he's going to be a huge miss never I remember some of your conversations with him about rugby um, and he would he would never forgive you for being for supporting the Welsh and being Welsh. And he would. He appreciated the greatest passion. players the planet has ever seen. Now I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but it was back in the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there was uh, there was a few stories going the rounds uh, earlier this week when we uh, we found that out and we've swapped a few tales today as well in the in the press room. Um, the archetypal privateer. At Le Mans, we, he'd be absolutely delighted to see, particularly Team Jordan, um, carrying on that uh, private Ian Mantle and doing so well here. And uh, Sam Hignett flying the flag for for proper British privateer teams who've uh, who've done a cracking bit of uh, cracking bit of commercial work, and that would have been right up Hughes Street. There, Hugh Chamberlain will miss you massively, particularly when it comes round to Le Mans. The Hertz Hourly Update. Getting you to your let's go moments for more than 100 years. Ninety minutes just under to go, and the Porsche that has led for a number of laps uh, still continues to be out front for Kevin Estra. Two eighty-nine laps now completed for the number six Porsche Penske Motorsport nine sixty-three, ahead of Matt Campbell's sister car within that uh, within that awning, if you like. The uh, top two positions then occupied by the two Porsches from the factory team, and uh, this is what they've been aiming for for a number of hours now, all because the Peugeot from Jean-Éric Verne has just made a pit stop. It's ninth of the race so far, and uh, it rejoins with Jean-Éric Verne at the wheel, number 93, running in third, ahead of the Hertz Team Jota, 
963 of Callum Islet, number 12. Then the number 7 Toyota of Nick de Vries in the first of the GR010s. It's the Cadillac V-Series R from Cadillac Racing for Sebastian Bourdais, car number 2 in 6th, ahead of the AF Corsa prepared Ferrari 499P for Yi Yifei, the 83 car 7th. Then in 8th position, Hertz Team Jota's Oliver Rasmussen for Porsche 963 as well. Uh, number 38, 9th position, the second of the Toyotas, Rear Hirakawa, car number 8. And in 10th place, it's Charles Milesi in his Alpine 424 from the Alpine Endurance team. Brand new car again for this season. Manti continue their dominance at the sharp end of LMGT3 for Klaus Backler in car number 92, leading by 24 seconds over Alex Riberas in the Aston Martin of Heart of Racing team number 27. Maxime Martin, number 46, Team WRT's BMW M4 is running in third, ahead of Marco Sorensen's D-Station Racing Aston Martin treble seven. The second of the Team WRT Beamers is fifth for Augusto Farfus, number 31, and first of two Vista AF Corsa Ferraris come next. In fact, they're together on the timing screen, sixth and seventh for Davide Regon in the 54 and Alessio Rivera in the 55. The hourly update. Hertz Rental Car, getting you to your let's go moments for over 100 years. And as we were in the Hertz hourly update, there was a massive off for one of the two Lexus. I can only think it was Kelvin van der Linde who has immediately no. pitted. Oh, was it the other one, John? It was Takeshi Kimura, um, I'm pretty certain, JP. That was a car that had brake balance issues uh, earlier on. I think Kelvin was probably due in fairly shortly anyway if I can really get the screen to scroll down I've completely I've done something really stupid towards the end of the race I've changed around um, the way I've got everything set up I've changed my setup or it was working fine um, so now I can't get things to scroll the way I want to um, I, I think the lead Porsche was uh, pretty close there as well and Kevin Estra has come into the pits but that was fine that was a 32 lap stint for Kevin which means that uh, he's got 45 laps to go which he can't do on one stint that's going to be it's a sort of a, it's almost exactly a stint and a half that uh, to the end of the race from here yeah, so that's awkward, isn't it? I mean, some teams will have been at pains to make sure that it's a nice and even finish for them and they can take a, a full pit stop in terms of a full fuel load or maximum amount of energy that they can take on board and that will see them through to the finish. Then again, many teams will say, well, it's better to just stick with the rhythm of the race and come in for a, a shorter stop. You spend less time on pit road to get it back out again. Slow coming out so of... Uh, one of the tight left-handers there for one of the two Toyotas that are running together out on track, actually. Uh, not on the timing screen. Seven... No, beg pardon. It was the seven that's just come back out again. So that was Nick de Vries struggling on potentially very new tyres that are yet to get up to temperature. And was it the seven that ran real. very deep? Yes, it was. Into the left-hander at turn six, John. Yeah, Rio Hirkawa and Nick de Vries uh, right together. Uh, with Oliver Rasmussen and um, sorry, Oliver Rasmussen right behind Rio Hirakawa, rather, um, as Nick de Vries was struggling to get up to pace. Um, and just while we're talking about people going to the end and things like that, JP, uh, I've just noticed that the Peugeot, uh, now with John Eric Verne, uh, stopped just a couple of laps ago which means they can easily go on one more stop. 
so they are actually in a pretty good spot uh, Callum Island stopped on lap 281 so that's just a bit too far um, he can split that up though it's not too full stints all of a sudden that Peugeot I think he's only got one more stop to make and um, that's going to be that's going to be very interesting very interesting indeed Hit the car we're now in the pits yeah so that was a very nearly an in lap for Rio and an out lap for Nick yes. de Vries and they weren't too far away from tangling from one another thankfully Rio Hirakawa read the situation and Oliver Rasmussen had a bit more time to react in the number 38 car but that was a switch of positions for 7th, 8th and ninth places but yes because the 8 car pits slightly later than the 7 that will now drop it outside the top 10 once more so you were suggesting which car might have to well just have a sort of splash between now and the end we'll have to well, have a, one more stop well, I, but it could I, be quite a short I think, one John well I think the Peugeot has one full stop and, they, and that's all um, let's listen in to per, a portion number 5 Matt Campbell coming to the end of his stint sure you don't want to keep these tyres before we gain anything their last stop will be 12 seconds slower so we are considering doing 4 Keep the pace and stay behind for the last stop so you can overtake. Hello to Rob Jayner, to Dan Kay, to James Cooper, uh, to Alex Pulowski, uh, to D, Curtis James, uh, Michael D, Don Kay, the Dr. Dalto. Lots of new names I'm noticing here. Uh, on the Twitter at RSL underscore studio. Welcome if it is your first time or your first time tweeting. Uh, Porsche and Matt Campbell in uh, with, and what's that, the end of 2.92. He can't get to the end. That, that, that is going to need a splash. So both of the Porsches are one, one stop and a bit of a splash. Yeah. Well, they've been doing stint lengths of 53 maybe at times 55 minutes at a real minutes. push exactly yeah not laps but uh, I mean, it's more like 31 32 laps but 53 55 minutes there was a clash a moment or two ago it was Takeshi Kimura you're right in the 87 car that's possibly what speared him off into the gravel but it uh, began with some contact and the Japanese then sensibly taking his time limping through the stones to try desperately to avoid a late race puncture but uh, that's, as far as I'm hearing, not the first off for Takeshi Kimura no. during his stint as he becomes more adjusted to this brand-new car to GTLM competition. Now, as we get into the last part of the race, JP, we are starting to see people pushing, and that means, uh, as well, that we are seeing more track limits uh, Danny Hunkadea in the number 82, the 60, getting their warning flags. That's the last point. To, but Paul DeResta in the number 94, and it was the 94, actually, that hit um, Kimura at turn 14. That's under investigation as well. So these this could affect track position. Now, at the moment, 
it's the 93 car that's so sure. 94 Peugeot's had all the bad luck for the Racing Lions, hasn't it? Um, did you just say the 94 Peugeot? Because the message I'm reading is that 87 and the race leader number 6 are under investigation for that incident. So that could be absolutely oh, that's a key. That's a diff that is a different incident. You're absolutely right. That was at 1923. Uh, so I, I said I thought it was the number six yeah. um, at, at the time. And that I was sort of scratching my head here uh, when I saw that it was Derester. But that has just come up on my screen at 41 minutes past the hour. Um, so you're absolutely right. Now, that could be huge. Now, the worry that there for, for Estra is that, you know, the officials look at that again from many angles and say, well, there wasn't a gap. You've got to give the Lexus ample time to get through the corner. And once they're committed in a heavy GT3 car, there's very little, very few places you can go once you've started to turn in. And yep. uh, if Estra's charged his way up the inside and then speared Kamira off the track, then that could very easily be a penalty, if that's the way it's decided. And, and if it is... <laughs> massive it brings, story late on. Yes, and it brings Callum Eilert for Hertz Team Jordan and Jean-Eric Verne right back into it. Yep. They're only eight and a half seconds uh, between them at the moment. Uh, Ten seconds, 11 seconds back from the leader. They've all only done nine stops. Matt Campbell behind them, who's a further 24 seconds back, has done 10 stops. But remember, Estra is about 15 laps short of the finish, so that's, let's call that half a stint. Uh, the Peugeot has to come in. Jev has got to come in for a full service at round about 30, 28 laps to go. I guess they'll push as far as they can on the fuel that they've got in there at the moment, on the energy, because don't forget they can't overuse the energy we haven't had any calls on that in this race thankfully so far in third place Callum Eilert has just um, has been out 12 laps so he's got another um, let's say 18 so he's got the better part of a full stop to do and then Matt Campbell in the sort of no man's land has just stopped so he's he might have the shortest last stop is that what they're playing for with the number five? That could that could bring them forward. Now, here's some bad news from Team WRT. Uh, Dries Vanto's car is in a state of undress and there's a bit of pointing and a bit of looking at the left-hand side of the... But they're doing a brake change there, JP. Surely not. Yes, Surely they are. Are they? They are. They've, they've brought the trays out. I think they're doing, and they've got the caliper um, spreaders there. But there was a lot I of conversation. There was a lot of conversation going on, though, as if they they weren't quite sure what the the problem was. Now, whether it's a, a brake that's locked on for some reason, mm. and they're having to change it Good for point. that. Um, well, there's plenty of stones that might have got in there, uh, JP, that might have caused a problem and maybe scored a disc or. Uh, dislodged a pad or something like that yeah. and they'll want to put a, a new set of matched discs and pads on that car yeah, it's that not in it. any danger sorry it's not in any danger of scoring points so um, they'll want to do it yeah they are they're pulling the, the pad out of that I think they are you know they're certainly unscrewing something on the rear left hand hub and they seem to be doing the same job on the right rear as well in order to get the car to the finish at the very least. It's good practice for later on in the season, I suppose. And uh, for Le Mans, where brake changes will be much more the order of the day, or indeed night. 
As uh, <laughs> there's a change in the Porsche that is in the pit lane. This is not the class leader in LMGT3, but the sister car for Manti EMA. Maurice Schuring has just brought that car in from 15th position. All going really well the other side of the breeze block wall within Manti, but this 91 car fell out of contention reasonably early on. Yasser Shaheen was keeping it up there in the, his opening stints, though, as the bronze-rated driver. Martin Schuring is the silver. Ricard Leitz struggled uh, not through, of course, any lack of ability because Leitz is one of the longest-serving in the World Endurance Championship. In fact, now we've lost Christian Reed as an ever-present. I don't know who the next one is we look to, actually. I should have checked that before uh, we got going as the, as the most experienced, know you know. But... Um, Sort of king is dead. Long, long live the king as the longest-serving driver within the I think, WEC. I think it might be Andre Lotterer. That's not a bad shout, actually. Yeah. Um, if you know better, at RSL underscore studio. Um, I I did a bit of research and then I read it somewhere, but that was when I arrived um, a week past Thursday. It may have slipped. There's been a lot going on. I think it's fair to say. For them, uh, Nico Lapierre, the latest driver to get his final warning for track limits, uh, a reprimand for car 87 for the 1919. That was the one with Paul de Resta incident. So Camura's got a um, reprimand. Uh, Jose Maria Lohepes has taken over that Lexus, by the way. So we're still waiting for the news on the clash between. Keshi Kamura and Kevin Estre, which could, it literally could decide uh, who wins this race. And Kevin Estre with a 10 second gap between himself and Jev. Persia in second, Porsche in third. He's Callum Island being given the closers task. Uh, 18 seconds, Johnny Palmer, between the top three with 8 hours and 48 seconds and no safety car intervention here at LaSalle International Circuit. Davy Avema of, of Daily Sport, of, uh, Sports Car 365 uh, giving the indication it might be Sebastian Buemi to me as the longest serving oh, yes, yes. driver. Yes. Was that more like yes, it? Yes, I'll go with that. Okay. Yes, yes. I, knew, I knew it was um, I knew it was someone of that ilk. I think he might be right. I think it was probably on 365 that I read it. Although, of course, uh, three days ago, it, it was rebranded completely as Sports Car 366 for Leap Day, which I thought was fantastic. Yes. Good well, there's only one chance in four years to do that, so uh, why not embrace it? <laughs> Quite right, too. And uh, incredibly hardworking, as always, the guys at Sports Car 365 getting all the stories, too. I love those notes pages that you get. At the end of the day, with all the uh, the little minor stories that you might have missed, threading their way through the sweepers now. The battle for well, it's James Collado in the 51 Ferrari. So this is the 12th placed car chasing the Toyota car number eight. Just a second between them with Mm. Rio Hirakawa, um, both yet to make their 10th pit stop, and right now. Uh, James Collado coming to the end of his stint in about six or seven laps. Rio's just five laps in to his, so there's a a big imbalance there in terms of where they are in their fuel load and potentially their tyre life as well. 
still just over an hour and ten minutes. Right on an hour and ten minutes to go. Oh, and another warning flag. And this one is for the mighty 38, Oliver Rasmussen. Seventh position at the moment. He's only got a five-second gap between himself and the charging. Nick De Vries. Nick, who's taken to the WEC like a duck to water. Had a test in the car here. November last year has done a bit of driving um, unceremoniously kicked out of Formula 1 of course but proved beyond a shadow of a doubt I think Johnny in that um, in that hyperpole that we were watching and calling together on Thursday that he, he has lost none of his hunger and none of his speed no, and was I mean it was one of the big names in LMP2 when he was last in the European Le Mans series as well. Was often, or well, nearly always, put in for qualifying duties there and left late on in the races. Um, I know he's been testing that Toyota as much as possible, but this was his competitive debut, and yeah, to put to be put in the car and to, to bag a front row start when actually neither of the Toyotas looked anywhere close to that prior to qualifying yesterday. No. A supreme effort from the Dutchman. I'm still not sure, you know. I'm still not sure how this is going to go. Um, to, to use a Trustwellism, if all things remain equal, brackets but they seldom do, close brackets. Mm -hmm. and, and that's where we are at the moment. If all things remain equal, then it would appear that Porsche Penske Motorsport and the number six car, having just added a second and a half to its lead, Kevin Estra, I, I presume will close this out, JP. And at the moment, he is able to respond to John Eric Fern, who is only 11 laps into his stint. Kevin Estra is only 10 laps into his so those two cars roughly on the same strategy Callum Islet 17 laps into his stint in third Matt Campbell 5 laps into his so all of the cars in the top 4 which are battling for the lead uh, probably have Sebastian Bordier in 5th he's a little bit further back he's another 35 seconds further back but still on the lead lap as is Ife Ye uh, in the AF Corsa he's yeah just on the lead lap I actually might have just dropped the lead lap Ife I'll have to see when he comes around next time around we've certainly got five cars on the lead lap so, so let's look at Sebastian Bordier he'll be coming in shortly so he unfortunately has two pit stops to go to the end of the race as we are now on lap two. Ooh, now. Oh, it, it's, how much further can he go? He might. This might be his last stop. If he can get two or three more laps. He, the thing about the Cadillac, it has done 34 lap stints. Do yes, you yes, true. So if he can get, if he can get a 34 lap stint here, he's, he's, he, this would be his last stop. And he would be the first car to be fueled and ready to go to the end of the race. So that that's kind of snuck up on us, that, hasn't it? Yeah. That's stealthed up on us. 34 laps. The last stint that was done by Alex Lynn, I reckon, 34 laps. And it took him 58 minutes and 34 seconds. So we've got a, an hour and six minutes still to go. But Bourdais is potentially, potentially four laps away. We haven't got away. an hour and six we haven't got oh, no, an hour and six minutes no, to go. That's true. That but also, there's another four laps yet for 
that Cadillac to potentially get to as Correct. well. So it takes it even closer to the finish. Agreed. So we're on 300 now, so there's 35 laps to go. If he does another four laps, there'll only be 31 laps to go. Yep. And he'll actually be able to turn the wick up a little bit and having done his last stint. And everybody else will have to come down the pit lane again and take a variety of fuel from pretty much all to about half, uh, to half a tank to a splash for possibly seven or eight laps. But that still means the time down the pit lane is going to be the determining factor. Now, at the moment, he is a minute and 22 off the lead. The transit time down the pit lane is, what, about 35, 40 seconds? Yeah. And here is the news from the stewards. And there has been a penalty applied for the contact between Kevin Estra and Takeshi Kimura. It's a 10-second penalty added to the next pit stop of the 87 car. So Kevin Estra adjudged not to be to blame for that contact. And there will be a sigh of relief at Porsche Penske Motorsport. So, yeah, that uh, could have gone either way. I mean, I only got a chance to see the incident again a sort of second time and difficult to assess precisely where the cars were on the racetrack. But Race Control have uh, at their disposal many other versions of the incident together with some locked-off CCTV cameras potentially as well as uh, all of the onboard cameras that these cars carry. And, yes, Car 6 can breathe again, but even though they don't have to come in to serve an extra 10 seconds on the next pit stop, have they worked out that potentially the Cadillac only needs to stop one more time and should be fine to the finish because the finish of the race is 34 laps away now, 33 and this lap still to go of the first ever 18, 12 kilometres of Qatar. I'll tell you what. Whoever worked out that 10 hours was going to be there or thereabouts for the 18-12, originally this race was meant to be a six-hour race uh, when it was first announced, and it was extended to the 1812 kilometres to, uh, to honour Qatar's national day on the uh, 18th day of the 12th month, and it just so happens that those 335 laps actually takes it to 18-14 and three-quarter kilometres, but whoever worked that out did some pretty good arithmetic. He's had us, they've, they've had us all guessing because a little bit of safety car or extended full course yellow would have made it more difficult. That was a Ferrari and the Toyota still at it uh, out on the circuit. And that's the battle between Nick De Vries and Nick Nelson, Nicholas Nelson, uh, for eighth and ninth position, and they're. We've now got side-by-side -side action between the other Ferrari, uh, AF Corsa, James Collado, and the 99 of Julian Andlauer, and they're still side-by-side, -side, all the way down the front straight through turn one. The Ferrari's pushed off to the side of the circuit, and James Collado has, I think, lost that position of 11th. Yes, he has, JP, hasn't he? Yeah, the 99 gets ahead, so Julian Andlauer, rather forceful there, but uh, was given just about racing room down the main straight. We saw another car end up very close to the pit wall much earlier on in the piece, but that gave Andlauer the inside line then, crucially, into Turn 1. Collado, 
Oh, it's questionable there how far he's forcing the number nine car over to the right because there really wasn't much space at all before the FAT-sponsored uh, 99 car uh, would have been forced into the pit wall itself. And uh, perhaps, understandably, Julian Anlauer then giving Collado absolutely no space on the exit of Turn 1. There was a touch then on the exit there, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that being investigated mm. as well, John. I completely agree with you, Mr. Palmer. Um, right, so now we've got to keep an eye on the pit lane for the number five caddy. And we are down to... So we're, we're now with a, about a, an hour to go. Let's hear from Collado. He turned and pushed me completely off. Completely. I was on the line. Well, there's James being very matter-of-fact about it. Uh, he was, him and Justin Taylor last year were the stars of Team Radio as far as I was concerned. The uh, conversations and debates that were going on, I remember particularly it was it was Portimao, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Where he's been asked to give up a position and he was quite forcefully explaining to his <laughs> to his uh, his engineer that tra traffic giveth and traffic taketh away. Uh, basically, Last hour then, JP, I'll uh, hand it back to you and Bruce. I'm not going anywhere. I'm sitting here and we'll uh, have a chat in post-race tech in uh, about an hour and ten minutes' time, I reckon. So much that uh, needs answering between now and the 335th lap. We're working lap 304, so uh, inside the final designated hour we go because it's uh, a minute to eight, very nearly eight o'clock at the Lucille international circuit but we won't we shouldn't get to the end of this 10th hour that we're about to enter into but the crucial thing here is that who is in the best position is it one of the many Porsches that are out front first third and fourth the two Penske Motorsport examples one of which pits in fact the race leader is in now is it the Peugeot or could it quite possibly be the Cadillac V-Series R. Now, both the Porsche and the Cadillac pitting on the same lap. We've got to get through another 30-odd laps. Well, the Porsche should be capable of doing that. John drawing our attention, Bruce, to the fact that it's only the Cadillac that's been able to stretch out the stint length to 34 laps. And we were a bit concerned that maybe the Porsche might need to splash. It's showing visible damage on the, on the left-hand side, big damage, actually. In fact, he's removed the number panel completely. And from a, a legality point of view, that might be an issue because surely from, if, you'd look, if the marshals are looking to identify which car is involved in an incident, that number panel, I thought, needed to be replaced. Anyway, the Porsche is going to be sent back into the race, should be within its pit window because there are 31 laps still to go, and it's generally been doing 31 or 32 laps. Alligator is that took that chomp out of the side of the car. It's a real serrated edge there. Won't affect the performance too much, but there is a bit of a panel missing. So, yeah, that could be a factor. But back into the race goes uh, the number six uh, Porsche into the lead. But, yeah, many different ways this race is unfolding towards the end. I mean, Cadillac, they were in the mix. They fell back, and uh, there was certainly lots of conversation when Alex Lynn was driving before handing over to Sebastian Bourdais. What am I going to do about Matt Campbell? Where's he? And Matt Campbell was asking, where's he? What's he doing? But at the moment, that Cadillac just out of the pits down into eighth place how high will that rise that final pit stop now being made just but they've had this policy from very early in the race run every single stint as long as you can don't be coming in they've done some maths 
Would they have predicted there'd be so few uh, moments on the track where you had full course yellows and things? But uh, what we have seen, and John was touching on this, it, it's really unusual to see a race in which we've been able to see their full race pace. We're not talk about for part of a stint, they've run, not kind of like all of them, have run through full stints without anything in the way of interruption, which is unusual. So it's been a time of real learning, important for all of them on their first visit to the Lucille International Circuit. But... Uh, certainly Cadillac doing things differently so right after the pit stop they've actually been promoted from eighth to sixth because two other runners came into the pits as well let's see how this unfolds and also of course the race leader back into the race and just as I was coming back in was that sort of sword of Damocles handing, uh, hanging over the number six crew after the crash uh, the clash with uh, Kimura but uh, no penalties to them so they carry on in the lead of the race their margin well we'll see what it is next time around it was about one minute 30 seconds wasn't it before the pit stop side of car number six was because of the contact with Takeshi Kimura uh, which I'd completely forgotten about well I hadn't forgotten but I, I didn't realize it would have made such a, an impact in the number six um, in the sill there for Kevin Estra on the left hand side of that Porsche and that was the one that was assessed between the six and the 87 and judged to be the Lexus fault and therefore the Lexus having to spend extra time in pit road uh, next time it comes in for a stop. Jean-Éric Verne versus Callum Eilert. And this is where we find out just how good the Peugeot is after such a long amount of time running on the Lucille uh, racetrack. We've uh, added well over nine hours. And this Peugeot, which has in the past been susceptible to reliability issues, looks to be rock solid at this point. But Jean-Éric Verne is going to have to drive the wheels off it to stay ahead of Hertz Team Jota. It is after the early stages of the race where... Peugeot picked his way up the order very handily in the, in the hands of uh, Nico Muller. This is the first chance to see it in real racing, not just lapping on its own, because the field gradually strung out, but right now looking very handy indeed. I raised the query earlier, Johnny, about uh, what's it like to follow one? You follow a car with the traditional rear wing, you get used to the sort of degree of uh, wash coming off, aerodynamic wash, but obviously far, far less, or presumably far, far less, coming off a car with no rear wing. Of course, the Peugeot doesn't. Yeah. And this may be the final time that the Peugeot 9X8 runs in that design because there is talk that uh, it will have a major upgrade, a major evolution, perhaps between now and Imola. And they, they'll have to make a decision quickly because, as we were hearing from Thierry Bouvet earlier on, there needs to be two races. If you decide to go with a, an updated car, two races before Le Mans. So it, they have to bring those upgrades to Imola because we've only got the six hours of Imola and the six hours of Spa before we all then head to Circuit de la Sarte for another edition of the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Well, in, indeed. Now, here's a little thought. Do you have to race it or you just have to use it at a race meeting? Oh, there's one for the lawyers. Let's leave that alone, I think. Yeah. What, you mean just like a display model in the back? But you're using no, no, the I mean you go track. out in a session, one session, or do you have to do an official session such as a qualifying session? 
Yeah, I, I think it's fairly well stipulated in the regulations. Once you dive in with two feet to change the car, i.e. bolted rear wing onto this Peugeot, then you will stick with it. But, I mean, the ideal scenario would be you run with it at Imola and then you take it off again in time for Spa and Le Mans because that car was proven to be very, very swift indeed when it is on home soil for Peugeot. Led the race in the wet at last year's 100th anniversary race. Still no way through for Callum Eilert. He may just be finding uh, the better or the best opportunity to get by. He wants to leave it, I suppose, as late as possible so that Jean-Éric Verne has little time to repay the favour. Do we get the sense that Callum's being held up a little bit here so that once he did, if he did get by the Peugeot, then he would extend the gap? I think so, because you can certainly have a quick shot into the, into the Hertz Team Jota garage and some... Uh, how should we say, a little bit of tension on the cheekbones of all, all those involved. Bear in mind they didn't get a podium finish last year when Toyota and Ferrari were in their pop, but uh, now the, the tide has turned and Porsche is, in all forms are looking good. Their best result was fourth place in the final round, which was uh, not so far from here, the Sakir season closer, but uh, heading for a podium, but don't forget we've still got the, the, the charging Matt Campbell in that number five out of sequence Porsche and of course the Cadillac Racing entry Sebastian Bourdais in eighth overall but having done his final pit stop in that Cadillac so any little trip up and things could change but right now it's Porsche Penske Motorsport number number six leading the way Kevin Estra sitting on a lead of 41 and a half seconds Jean-Éric Verne on a, ooh, a margin of 0.45 nothing at all back to Callum Eilot in the Hertz Team Joe to Porsche to reiterate, it was an early stop for Kevin Estra in the number six Porsche. After only 14 laps, he re-emerged uh, at the start of lap 305. So when you include that one and the remaining laps, there would have been a further 31 laps to go uh, to the end of the race. And the Porsche is comfortable of doing... 32 laps so they've effectively built in an insurance lap there at car number six just in case for whatever reason we go slightly further but um, okay, well, 335 is the target so further advice about upcoming pit stops trying to beat them in the pit lane Jean-Eric Verne might be about 12 laps away from the next stint, which obviously won't get him home. We're on lap 309 now. The uh, LMGT3 race leader. Meanwhile, Klaus Backler has just brought his Manti Pure Racing 911 GT3R into pit lane, number 92. And to follow suit, Alex Riberas in his Aston Martin Vantage from the heart of racing team, number 27, is also in. So it becomes a fight on pit road, more like don't make a mistake on pit road to get the cars out with the same distance between them. Yeah, and that distance is 14 seconds. That Marley got a 51 minutes remaining. That should be fairly comfortable because they've been very, very even in terms of their pace. Just that small advantage for Klaus Backler and Ferrari. But uh, they have both done incredibly well. Heart of Racing team with Aston Martin and Manti Pure Racing. Well, Manti running a Porsche is going to go well, isn't it? However, you can never define anything because uh, all the manufacturers have been jiggled around a little bit in this opening round couple of the green headlights on Callum Eilert's car not functioning correctly. They turn green when the car hits the pit lane and uh, it has done so now from third position. So this, the, what should be the final stop for the Hertz Team Jota Porsche 963. This will be 
when you total all the stops up, number 10 for car number 12. The race leader, Kevin Esch, along with his teammates, have made a total of 10 pit stops so far. The same goes for the other Porsche Penske Motorsport 963 of currently Matt Campbell, car number 5. Whereas Jean-Éric Verne will be due in it's sometime in the next 10 laps, I'll say, I'll say. And depends how far Peugeot want to push this, really. They're obviously electing not to get the Peugeot in early, like Kevin Esther did after only 14 laps. He's now gone beyond the 21-lap marker. And it might well be the full 32 for Jean-Éric Verne. Because I suppose, you know, you've got one, one element of the fight for the lead of the race coming in nice and early. You might as well go in the other direction with the 9x8 and uh, it might just fall into your lap, depending on what this race still has to give. Lap 310 about to be completed. That will leave 25 laps still in the book or a potential 49 minutes still on the clock. But it is still governed by distance rather than time, this race, as things stand. And that's testament to all the driving standards across the board, whether you're in hypercar or LMGT3, the new category, for 2024. Yi Yifei in the best of the Ferrari 499Ps. His AF Corsa car number 83 running in fifth position ahead of the Hertz Team Jota second car of Oliver Rasmussen tangled up in uh, some broiling for the, uh, with the with the Toyota. Uh, in fact, both Toyotas a little earlier on. And Nick de Vries is actually right with Oliver Rasmussen now too. So the Dutchman could get by the Dane in the closing stages, they're separated by only half a second. Yeah, just looking for where the pace is at the moment. Fastest driver on the track. We mentioned Cadillac doing things differently. They ran those long stints. Sebastian Bordet by a short head is the fastest driver out there, but he's down in eighth place. He's only two and a half seconds down on Nick De Vries. You just mentioned him, who in turn is a quarter of a second down on Oliver Rasmussen. So that could really rotate very, very quickly indeed. The other battle to look out for, well, was potentially Maxime Martin versus Marco Sorensen. But, uh, and Sorensen had not too, uh, too long ago set the fastest lap of the race in LMGT3 because he was close to his in-lap. I think it was done on the penultimate lap of the stint. Marco Sorensen did a 153.698, the fastest GT lap of the race so far. And Marco Sorensen, understandably for those reasons, alone kept strapped into the D-Station racing Aston Martin. What we don't know, I need to check actually, uh, what um, pit stop cycle is the Team WRT BMW on up ahead being driven by Maxime Martin. Are we to expect another pit stop for that car? Uh, the answer is yes, I reckon, because it's only done, it's done 23 laps, so likely to come in next time around. And... Marco Sorensen feeling the chance to get a podium here from the BMW. So that's going to be a fascinating fight in the closing stages as well between two old foes uh, within their respected, respectable marks. Maxi Martin now established as a BMW M4 driver, although previously, of course, was an Aston Martin factory driver as well, just like Marco Sorensen. So those two front-engine cars dicing for a podium in the remaining now 24 laps to go. Yeah, just looking in terms of pace, by the way, certainly uh, D-Station Racing Aston Martin does seem to have the pace to maybe catch Maxime Martin. The ultimate lap so far from the uh, treble seven, Aston Martin is a 1 minute 53.6, almost a second faster than the best lap from the car in front, the 46 BMW. So the well 
could be a place change there. In and out of the pits, it's uh, people still coming in. Hertz Team Jota, it's not number 12. They've made their pit stop. It's Oliver Rasmussen, who is under such pressure from Rio Hirakawa. He is uh, diving in. The Cadillac has already gone past. Cadillac up to seventh place. In fact, of course, he was fighting with Nick DeVries. Sorry, I got my Toyotas back to front. Rio Hirakawa was uh, another two positions further back. But uh, this is far from over. What have we got left on the clock? 46 minutes. Number six, Porsche, surely has got this one under control. He says, looking with a, a slight <laughs> question mark, but it's been rock solid from them for Porsche Penske Motorsport. Certainly the great man, Roger Penske, will be starting to allow himself just a little bit of relaxation that one of his cars, it could be, well, they're running first and third. Will they be in those positions at the end of the race? Still a few more cycles to go through as people complete their final pit stops. Well, he afforded Matt Campbell a round of applause as Matty got out of the car yesterday, having taken the first pole position for the brand new or the relatively brand new Porsche 963 it's done a season's worth of WEC and IMSA battling here's the mighty 38 on pit road for Oliver Rasmussen in 10th position now and tumbling yet further because Nick Nielsen streams across the line in the number 50 Ferrari from AF Corsa to get up to 10th place and this pit stop is not necessarily going to plan is it everyone's just looking at the car He's smoking away. He's not being held for an extra... Is it a time penalty he's oh, having, yes, having applied? Okay. Yeah, I need to check through the, um, the messages for this, but it looks like it's one of those 10 seconds or maybe more than that before the car can be touched. It's got a green light in the window, so I don't think it's a, a hybrid-related issue and that the team are not permitted to touch the car. But... Uh, We're just sitting and sitting and sitting. Oliver Rasmussen implacable there but already down to 13th position bear in mind that was running uh, very respectably in about sixth before this final pit stop yeah so just need to search through the uh, recent messages for car 38 to find out precisely the reason for this first gear has been located the safety officer to know what we're going to do because the car went red at the moment it's green I do wonder whether it might be a, a safety issue. The uh, the car can't be touched right now. Um, Rasmussen just staring into the distance. He did seem to be fully focused, but waiting for instruction. Now the door is open on the 38 car, and work not necessarily in a hurry commences. Water bottle's going to be changed. Well, this is the ultimate question mark. What can you do? You've just got to feel for them, you know. Massively so. Here you are, what? 40, 40 minutes to go, 43 minutes to go in a 10-hour race, and suddenly there is a problem with the pit stop. This was the final pit stop. Tick it off, go to the finish, see what points you can pick up. Points out of the window now for them. So, actually, to the final point is Ferrari A, of course, a car number 50. Well, there you go. They've had an awful race, despite brilliant pace, leading the race early on in Miguel Molina. But uh, goes to prove, the longer the race, the more likely you're going to have a problem. But I must say, it's been really clean, Johnny, um, up at the front end of the field. In fact, pretty much throughout the field. What are we running at? We've still got... Uh, we've finally had a third retirement, the uh, number 78, Akadis ASP Lexus. So three of the 37 starters will not reach the finish. Will this be a fourth? When I say this, I mean the 38 uh, Hertz Team Jota entry came into the pits in the points and is now still in the pits and the points have gone. The only thing regarding the car, car 38 that might have resulted in a penalty later on if there had been a few more hours was uh, a warning to Rasmussen for abusing track limits. But that's not got any worse. It's only a warning. This is a much bigger concern now for car 38. And uh, they are still 
trying to diagnose it, it looks like. So an otherwise really good display for the second of uh, Hertz Team Jota's Porsche 963. So actually, the 12 car is the addition. We had the 38 last year. And an awful lot of brake temperature has been built up, of course, over the previous stint and a bit more than that. But uh, there's nothing, certainly brake Smoke is no stranger to endurance motor racing, and normally that uh, is virtually ignored by the mechanics as they battle on with their tyre change. But a weird situation down at Hertz Team Jota where mechanics are just staring at the car and wondering what on earth they need to do next. One thing in motor racing is being on the knife edge, and a driver who is exactly there is the driver who's chasing down the leader in LMGT3. Alex Riberis is on the final track limit, limit morning. He's got it down to under nine seconds, the gap to the pure racing Porsche that's leading the way with Klaus Backler on board. He cannot afford any more. Otherwise, suddenly he won't be looking at a class podium. A heart of racing team will be falling back. There will be another Aston Martin there to pick up any pieces that fall its way. Third in class is the D-Station Racing entry with Marco Sorensen, and he is absolutely flying at the moment. For Alex Ribeiro, he's just got to build a little bit of caution in for the run to the finish. Alpine also in for Nico Lapierre. So this will be the A424, number 36's 10th uh, pit stop. Generally speaking, if you've done 10 stops already, then you'll be fine now for the remaining 20 laps of the race. Kevin Est, the leader, is on lap 315 right now and leads by still that 45-second 45, 45 marker. Just slightly underneath that now for Jean-Éric Vert. But uh, he'll be keeping his eye, or at least the team will, down at Peugeot Total Energies on the whereabouts of Matty Campbell. They're not actually currently in the same sector of the racetrack, though, so that will be music to Jean-Éric Verne's ears after he had to put up with the pressure from Callum Eilert, who eventually came down pit road. But a horror story for Team 38, for Oliver Rasmussen, who still sits in the car, and, of course, for his teammates, Jensen Button and Phil Hansen, as this race slips through their fingers. They were on for great points, but uh, are tumbling out of the top ten now, and that will mean that the number 50 Ferrari of Nick Nielsen could be potentially on for two points that you get for 10th position in the Ferrari 499p. That also means that BMW for BMW M Team WRT are just on the cusp. They're in 11th place overall, just out of the points. Kelvin, sorry, Sheldon van der Linde at the wheel, lapping at very decent pace, but he's, he's about one and... Uh, no, let's see, he's 15 seconds down on that 10th uh, place. Nicholas Nielsen has it at the moment. That's the car that led the race, had a drive-through penalty, tumbled right down the order to 15th place in only about the, the end of the first hour, no, some point in the second hour of the race, and has been fighting back ever since. But in terms of outright pace, it just doesn't have it. What does have it is the Porsche 963, and that's why there's so many of them at the front of the field. Three of the top four runners, but still, as one of the other 963s, number 38 entry from Hertz Team Jota, sits in the pit lane, driver looking around. The only thing he's been given so far is a drinks bottle. Yeah. No one else has uh, got involved to do anything technical in the car, but we've still got that Peugeot in second place overall. He's going very, very well indeed. Has Matt Campbell shot his bolt in chasing him? Can John Eric, John Eric Verne carry on and take it through right the way to the finish? It'll be a huge fillet for, for Peugeot, but then again uh, Johnny, uh, John pointed out I, I was sort of being a little bit light-hearted as per normal about what happens you said about you have to have a wing on the car if you put a new part on the car that you then have it thereafter and John pointed that out absolutely so once it's been declared there's no going back Ooh, uh. 
that's why it's such a big decision. And I don't think even now that it has been made, probably the period between now and the 21st of April is the case, as the number six Porsche runs right across the road. And this again was some confusion with Alexis. Well, it's carrying all that damage on the left-hand side. It got stuck in the gravel, didn't it? The gravel on the racetrack, though. And that's what speared it wide at turn number nine. So Kevin Estre, even this late on the race, susceptible to the odd mistake. He was only about half a metre offline, but the gravel that's been strewn across the road from about half an hour in to this nearly 10-hour race just sucked him further and further wide on the exit. Well, I think at this stage in the race, the drivers are getting quite tired, the cars are getting tired, just that little modicum less grip, perhaps, but I reckon that was more of an attention thing, because sometimes if you're overtaking, you end, out with, end up without an option, but he was running all on his own. And whatever you do, don't hit a curb because it might pitch you into the gravel. That was the effect of the <laughs> message uh, coming through to Kevin Estra leading this race. His margin comfortable, but moments like that certainly lost, and that uh, certainly not. And that cost him seven seconds, but it could have been so much worse. But we've seen people in that gravel trap between turns nine and ten and going right the way through it. He didn't get into it. He kissed it, but got back onto the black stuff. Yeah, and we'll stay out front, but uh, all of a sudden a 45-second advantage has slimmed to 37.1. We've got another new fastest lap of the race in the LMGT3 category from Alessio Rivera this time, seventh place in GT3, and car 55 for Vista AF Corsa, down to a 153.5. What about the fight between Marco Sorensen and Maxi Martin? Well, it's now going in the favour of the Aston Martin. So at some point, the Aston got ahead of the BMW and there's now only six seconds separating them. But that's after Sorensen has been charging like crazy. And uh, amongst a, a really good stint, the Dane was able to, at the time, post the fastest lap in LMGT3. But that's just been bettered again by Alessio Rivera, looking very sorry for itself. The 38 of Hertz Team Jota, and finally Oliver Rasmussen will clamber out of the car. It's just not wanting to burst back into life for some strange reason, and that Porsche 963 that has run so, so reliably up until this point today, by the looks of things, will go no further. Well... Hertz Team Joe to run two very very good Porsche 963 now with uh, into the, almost the final half hour 35 minutes remaining just the one but I tell you what it's very well placed it's fourth overall can Calamilot get a podium it will be a, a real tonic for them if they can lastly their best result was fourth can they get a third car number six of course going all the way to lap 355 so no more stops required as mentioned, because Kevin Est, after that shortened penultimate stint at 14 laps, only had 31 laps still to go on the lap counter. And we've seen the number six Porsche frequently do 32 laps uh, in total. So 335 is still the target. I think I might have said 355 there, but 335 the target. And as I say, Estra returning to the racetrack on lap 304. That left 31 laps still on the counter, and uh, the end, therefore, very much in sight for car number six on the full fuel load, or the full energy load that the number six Porsche was given.
Estra leading by 35 seconds. He's been told to stay off the kerbs, but with a 35-second margin, he can almost just rein the pace back a little bit. Last time through, doing a 143.4. Jean-Éric Verne, a 143.6. And Matty Campbell, capable of a 139.7, that car, much earlier on in the race. That still stands as the fastest lap of anybody. Uh, Campbell's down into the mid-142s as well. So you get the feeling that the Porsche and the Peugeot and the second Porsche that occupy the top three positions are just starting to settle now for the points that they've earned so far. Albeit very provisional, but the 38 points at this time are going the direction of Porsche number six. We have um, now 16 laps to go in this year's 18-12 kilometres of Qatar. And our second place... Peugeot into the pit lane. Jean-Eric Verne dives in. 33 and a half minutes remaining. Who else still is going to take a pit stop? It's taking it out of second place. So Porsche Penske Motorsports. Six and five are now the top two positions in this race. Hertz Team Jota, number 12, should go up into third place overall. Looks like a, a neat, tidy pit stop, but it still isn't over for, for Peugeot. Can they get a podium? Best results are... Is, was looking their, their way very short pit stop there Johnny the number 93 back into action just going down towards pit exit but Matt Campbell um, last pitted at 22.8 so he will have to come in again in about 5 laps time and uh, then it's a real fight on between Peugeot and Porsche for 2nd and 3rd it's going to be a drive-through penalty for James Collado after what happened on the front straight. I didn't think he was going to get away with that somehow between he and Julian Andlauer in the number 99 Proton Competition Porsche. James, fairly vocal on the radio, saying, well, he pushed me off on the exit of turn number one. I was thinking in my mind, well, what about your push over to the pit wall? Because the natural racing line is to stay well over to the left. Yeah, OK, a bit of argy-bargy towards the pit wall, but he gave absolutely no space whatsoever to Julian Andlauer who was given no choice but to run entirely down the painted concrete section and virtually into the pit wall so over and over to the right they went and in fact Andlauer almost had to make contact with the Ferrari to say hang on a minute I am here you know and why should I get out of the throttle so for that manoeuvre James Collado will be penalised and that's going to be a drive through for car 51 we haven't yet heard about uh, any penalty for the 99 and Lauer on the exit of turn one. Normally, that's legitimate because if you've got the inside line, you can use as much as you want of the kerb and it doesn't matter about the guy on your outside. One little factor in that incident is the fact that I, I noted that the, the lap leading up to their charge down the start-finish straight and the move towards the pit wall was that uh, and Lauer in the Proton competition Porsche 963 was about 1.4 seconds faster. So he was coming in, coming in fast. And I think that was the main problem. James Collard just thought, well, I'll tr try and stem your flow. But instead of uh, being heading possibly towards maybe the final point, James is 12th at the moment. The drive-through penalty will uh, put him behind uh, a BMW, maybe an Alpine. Not quite the Lamborghini. The Lamborghini is uh, some distance further back, but it'll cost him a couple of positions. But I, I don't think at this point it's going to cost him a point because he wasn't in the point. So a car that took victory last year, a crew that took victory at Le Mans last year will come away with nothing, null points, zero from the opening round of the championship. So there will be frustration. There'll be frustration as well from Toyota. Let's remember, they last season, like Ferrari, were fighting at the front end of the field. They took the title. Uh, but there they are. The better place car is in seventh place overall. The sister car in tenth. So, yes, they'll pick up some points. Just. Yeah. That's not what they came looking for. 
No, certainly not. And uh, those points are, well, it's one and a half times for a 10-hour race, but actually doubled when you get that far down the order because 10th place normally carries a point. You get a massive two points in one of these medium-length races. That will be the same for Bahrain later on as well in the year. That will be round eight of this year's 2024 FIA World Endurance Championship. Five six-hour races, the 24-hour race in June and then the two middle distance races here at Qatar and at the end of the season only about 70 miles away from here at Bahrain at uh, Sakir which again is an eight hour race as it was last year James Gallardo's quelled Ferrari engine you can hear in the background not able to go faster than 60 kilometers per hour until he crosses the white line and gets back into the race car 51 we didn't via the team radio get to hear James's reaction to that decision there may have been there may not have been one in fairness um, and so it would have been more entertaining perhaps if Justin Taylor was still part of the team but uh, no longer or certainly not for 2024 when they had some thoroughly entertaining uh, exchanges during the whole of the 2023 season particularly as John uh, highlighted that one in Portimao last, uh, last year early on in the season so it did cost them two places. That's uh, 12th down to 14th for James Collado and the number 51 Ferrari A, of course, at 499p. Stepping up to 12th is the number 20 uh, BMW from Team WRT. That's Sean van der Linde. Up to 13th, Alpine's second Alpine, if you will. And that's uh, Nicolo Lapierre. They won't be getting points unless something happens. Mention him and uh, things can happen. Yeah. Cars can run off circuits. Certainly... Turn nine, that field of gravel caught out Mick Schumacher. How he missed the end of the uh, the sort of retaining barrier on the left-hand side, you know, very, very fortunate indeed. Then he's turning into Thomas a tight Lodemba, left. Head of Motorsport of Porsche. Um, great form, big progress over the winter, and the strategy seems to be paying off as well for Matt Campbell, who was on pole. Oh, yeah, I mean, I mean we have to say... The, the, race, the race is really working good for us. We have a good pace here. We had a good pace all the days before the race. So, um, I mean, but keep fingers crossed. It's not done yet. It's still a long way to go. But uh, now we got the performance and, and, and it's really great to, you know, I think awarded it itself for all the work that has been done in the past month. So, um, yeah, and, and I hope we can bring that one home. Do you think you can bring the progress that you've made this winter throughout the entire season or particularly here on that track? Well, I mean, of course, we are hoping to carry that through the entire season. But now I think that track really suits us well. So I wouldn't expect it to be that all season long. But I mean, it, it, if we can take this one, it's great. And then we go to the next race and see what we can do. I think we made very, very good steps. If, if you look at last year, everything was new. The car was new. The team was new. And uh, I'm really proud of everybody working in that team. So um, now we'll try to carry through the season. But, you know, I'm realistic. It won't be all the time like this. But it's great to be at that position here. I let you enjoy the 15 last laps. Fingers crossed for you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Bruce Giovanni talking to Thomas Loudenbach, who is the head of Porsche Motorsport. And it's looking like a, potentially a good result for Porsche. It could be even better if Matt Campbell can somehow outpace the Peugeot of Jean-Éric Verne. Yes, there is the gap of... 34 seconds at the moment Matt Campbell will be pushing like crazy in order to try and build up as much of a buffer to soak up this final pit stop that he'll need to make it won't be a full glug of energy slash fuel of course because he'll only need to complete well it'll be 10 laps by the end of this particular stint 
late drive-through penalty for car number 95. We're just hearing about for Marino Sato in the 95 McLaren from United Autosports. But you know, I reckon Matt Campbell will be coming in. He's just crossed the line now for the 30th time. So it depends how hard he's pushing. But I would expect this to be a 31-lap stint because the previous two have been like that. So at the end of this, which will be lap 323, in actual fact, there will be a further 12 laps still to go. So it's about half, no, it's about a third of the usual fuel load. Yeah, and I'm just thinking Thomas Loudenback could have even more to cheer than possibly a podium with at least two Porsches on at the top. But it could be victory in the GT3 class as well because point, uh, yeah. they seem to be holding on. It's eight Porsches, just looking at the gap back to the heart of racing. Aston Martin driven by Alex Riberas, giving chase, but Klaus Backler maybe just has enough in hand. He was uh, 8.7 seconds clear. Now traffic might have worked his way, 9.2 seconds clear. But that one is not yet done and dusted. But look, that clock, it's the enemy of those giving chase. It's count, it's below half an hour, just 25 minutes remaining in this race. But for Porsche at the moment, they're first and second in the top class with uh, Matt Campbell giving chase. Kevin Estra told to stay off the kerbs. Of course, already going over the kerbs seems to have taken one great chunk out of his um, his undercarriage, so to speak. And then they, he had another run through the gravel. So um, certainly the message is going. Kevin, um, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> it still applies. Do be kind to the car. Uh, the one place on the podium in LMGT3 that might change, although it's getting more and more of a big ask, is for that third position because Maxime Martin, frustratingly for him, cannot really get that nine-second gap down. It at times goes beneath the nine-second marker. Here comes Matt Campbell for the final time then. And car five, clear... Well, what was the distance? It was about 30 seconds, I think, for, from Matt Campbell to Jean-Éric Verne. 36 seconds. 36. Oh, well, no, probably about slightly less, of course. It was extended by... No, it should have been contracted by him coming in. So, yeah, just over 30, nearly 40 seconds, I would reckon. Short stop, as you'd expect. It was a splash, and now comes the dash. It was uh, very quick indeed. The team had this factored in. But again, just remember, this was a car that went out of sequence during its second stint in this 10-hour race and has been running a different uh, programme ever since then. But this is the end game. Still waiting, still just going slowly down the pits towards the exit. But the Peugeot's already through and into turn number one, so we'll get second place back again. And in fact, Matt Campbell's going to feed back in behind Callum Eilert. So a podium, a second podium for Porsche Penske Motorsport might be slipping through their fingers. There goes Eilert through turn number two, the left-hander. And Campbell has got the customer Porsche within his sights. That's a more realistic target now to try and get back onto the podium positions for Matty Campbell. And there's only 4.7 seconds to try and find for the Australian. So he will be truly revved up now. Nice light car as well, although used tyres. I mean, that goes in his favour in the sense that they're still up to temperature and won't have lost much tyre temp at all because the car was only stationary for a brief spell. Just waiting to see what happens at the next timing sector because, of course, the timing sector where that 4.6 second interval uh, was recorded, he was still leaving the pits. Right, it's actually down to 4.2 seconds he chases after Callum Eilert. Callum, 6.2 seconds down on Jean-Éric Verne. Can that Peugeot get a career-best second place? This car with the dorsal fin, no rear wing. Maybe it'll have it in future, but uh, it looks as though the job is almost done for Kevin Estra. He's had that final pit stop just uh, moments ago, running through to the end of the race. 23 minutes remaining, and it's been a very, very good day for all involved in the World Endurance Championship, but for Porsche... 
Penske Motorsport and all of Porsche Motorsport, of course, with a, a privateer car for Hertz Team Jota running in third overall and uh, again down in GT3 leading that uh, Manti Pure Racing. It's looking as though celebrations will be required in the Porsche camp, but uh, it's also the first round of a championship. You get really good points in the bag. It's such a fillet for all involved in the team, isn't it? Just to get those early points on the board to keep to start the championship ticking nicely particularly as you get more points than a usual six hour race today how galling is it for Richard Leitz and those involved with the number 91 Manti EMA Porsche to now post the car's fastest lap of the race and it's actually faster than the LMGT3 that leads the class. The fastest lap so far for car number 92 was set many laps ago, a 154.61, while Leitz has just done a 154.60 in effectively the, well, not quite the, the last GT3 car because now one of the Ocodis ASP team Lexus rejoins. Jose Maria Lopez is stone last in 16th position, but very nearly Manti bookending the GT3 division is that one of the Alpines runs wide again and that was not at the troubled turn nine but in fact at turn five I reckon the exit of turn five where either the 35 or the 36 ran a touch wide well I think that's uh, probably that was 35 Charles Malaisi he came under pressure from Nicholas Nielsen and the, the Ferrari you know we didn't think the Ferraris would get points they, they fell away so drastically but uh, that position being picked off. Bit of flapping bodywork on the left-hand flank. Let's hear from Michael Jensen first, though. Seconds, well, actually, between five and six seconds gap between uh, you and Callum Millet. And ten, well, soon nine laps to go. How is it? How is it going? Tension or not? Yeah, a lot of tension. Very exciting. Uh, Jeff is doing an amazing job trying to, to keep the Jota car behind. Uh, and he's, this guy is just good dealing with pressure. He works on the pressure always, and um, that's where he's his best, so... I hope and think he will manage. Well, you look very relaxed, actually. Sorry? You look very relaxed. Uh, not really. I mean, nine laps to go, so it's getting to look better and better. Now six seconds, and uh, he's keeping keeping the gap. We have a bit better tires than the Jota car, who did uh, one more stint on them. So I think as long as nothing happens in traffic, we should be pretty good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mikkel Jensen chatting to Bruce Juani in the pit lane again. Very, very chilled, typically Danish. And uh, Jensen, uh, I'm sure, probably a bit frustrated that they can't be fighting for the race win. But nevertheless, huge strides made this weekend by Peugeot and uh, one side of the 9x8 garage. I think the 94 car could have carried a similar threat, actually, were it not to be derailed as early as it was at Turn 1 when Paul de Resta was pitched into a spin. And... The 94 car now as far down as 18th position because that was the beginning of uh, quite a lot of complication. There were discussions down in one of the... Was that the Porsche garage where they were deep in conversation? I think it is, and I think it's to do with the number six, our race leader. He's clearly got less and less of a car. I just, uh, just before that interview with Michael Jensen, I said there's bodywork flapping. You said maybe they're going to have to be hauled up for not having a light panel on that, a number panel on that car. It's been mm. ripped off, clearly by going over the kerbs. And here we are, the car, under 20 minutes going to go. This car's been comfortably in the lead of the race. Kevin Estra is setting good pace. They've warned him to stay off the kerbs, but uh, let's take a look, if we possibly can, TV director, to see what is still flapping on the side of the car. Is there any side to flap? Therein is a question. So, gosh, just when you thought they'd done the hard yards, 
suddenly they've got a car that appears to be slightly delaminating and ah we're looking when we look at car 93 looking at a potential race winner i'm not trying to make false drama but ah right you talked about a light panel yeah. and uh, one is being prepared in the porsche penske motorsport pit garage waiting to come out oh so what was the margin we were looking at we were looking at um about 80 seconds, weren't we? No, it came down because the pit stop. I'll wait till it gets through a next timing beam. This is going to have to come in. It needs a number on its left-hand flank so that it can complete the race in official order. This is suddenly real drama. I didn't create it. Here's Kevin Estra. For a quick repair. Quick repair. Next lap. So we look box. Box. It's going to last 20 seconds. It's going to last 20 seconds, so there is a number panel being prepared. This is the one of the ones that uh, is designed, I think, to illuminate because it's important to pick out the cars in darkness, although we've not got full darkness here. Uh, when it happened was a side-by-side -side collision with the Lexus of Takeshi Kimura, and Kimura at the time judged to be at fault. He had to serve a penalty. My concern here, though, is what on earth are they going to stick the number panel to? Because there's nothing behind it. Thin air, Johnny. <laughs> Unless they're going to work out a way of sort of suspending it from the top or, or tape it on. They could tape it on on the top and on the bottom and then left and right as well. But the, well, the they just ask him to drive slowly to the finish. Exactly, yeah. Hope that, the, that there's not going to be no wind getting underneath on that front edge, the vertical edge. 20 seconds, they say, a short repair. I think that's just to calm the nerves of Kevin Estra. He's only got a minute and 26 seconds to play with here. Back to Jean-Éric Verne. They cannot afford to take too long with this. So late, late drama in the 1,812 kilometres of Qatar. Are they going to stick it much further back? Yeah, because there's no, nothing in the regulations to say where it needs to be. So it's on the hind quarters of the Porsche, in fact, but it, thankfully it displays the correct number. They didn't pick up, a five by pick up on a five by mistake and stick that on instead. Oh, and Kevin Estra goes back out That'll again. have some people twitching. John Hindhoff <laughs> won't like the fact there was a bubble behind it. It wasn't <laughs> perfectly put into position. He's just going to have to live with it. And so is Kevin Estra. But, oh, my word. You know when the mechanics have sort of put their tools away, thinking, well, we're, we're fine now. We'll just go through to the end of the race. So a little bit of a pat all around. It was the only solution. That was the only clear bit of flank just ahead of the left rear wheel. Nice clear panel. Stick it on there. And very important to do that before the end of the race because as the race winner in fact if you finish anywhere in the top three your car is automatically scrutineered at the end of an ACO rules race sometimes some other random cars are selected as well but uh, the top three always mandated and they will inspect every single corner of that car there has to be a race number on both sides now John Heintoff as ever on top of the rule book this is his quote. This isn't officially a night race, so it doesn't need to be illuminated, but it does have to be there anywhere on the side. Well, they found a place called Anywhere just in front of the left rear wheel <sighs> and breathe. So let's see what the gap is out to or down to ahead of the uh, 93 Peugeot when the next timing sector is put through. But uh, Kevin Estra back into the lead, but didn't need that level of drama. Should be down to around 40 seconds. Well, how about 39.833 seconds? Plenty in hand, but little bit of fumbling here and there. Is this straight? No, just put it on the side of the car. So that's exactly what they did. 
The next thing we need to look at is whether Matt Campbell can sneak a podium out of this. He's gone from 4.1 seconds behind Callum Islet to 3.5 to 2 seconds. And now the current gap is 1.5 seconds. So he's homing in on the Hertz team Jota Porsche 963. Matt Campbell showed more speed yesterday in qualifying. Depends how, how much tyre life he's still got beneath him, of course. And it, the cars fighting for third and fourth positions, I was going to say, will be of a similar weight. Well, yes, they should be. They put fuel into Callum Islet's car 20 laps ago. They put more fuel in Matt Campbell's car only five laps ago, but it will, be, it will have been carefully governed to make sure that they get to the finish with just the dregs left over, enough for a sample, basically, again, to mention those scrutineers. Right. The last lap, the car in fourth place, that's Matt Campbell giving chase, was one and a half seconds quicker than Hertz Team Jota's number 12, Callum Eilert, on board. It's down to 1.3 seconds, but there is a GT3 car between them. That may buy a little bit of an advantage, a little bit of time, with, what, 14 minutes remaining in this race for uh, Callum Eilert in the number 12 Hertz Team Jota entry to keep the number 5 works motorsport car, Porsche Penske motorsport car, behind him. Now there's nobody between them down the start-finish straight. They go to put 329 laps on the board, waiting for that 1.8 seconds. So, yeah, that GT3 interloper did buy a little bit of time for Callum Eilert. He's going to need a few more of those because the natural pace is with Matt Campbell in fourth place, desperate to get up to third. Either way, it looks like it's going to be Porsche, Peugeot, Porsche. The big question is which is going to be that second Porsche? Will it be the number 12 Jota car or the works car from Matt Campbell? Looks as though GT3, Johnny, is going to be going to, Por to Porsche because though the gap has come down by a tiny amount, it's still eight seconds. So it's yeah. been tense here or there for Alex Ribera's heart of racing team giving chasing and for Manti Pure Racing going from not much to plenty and that's because when I say that Pure Racing are new to this game they've just vaulted through the season they won the class in uh, the Asian Le Mans series at GT3 category over the winter uh, arrived here on a high and can they deliver Klaus Backler well he's the driver you'd want on board to take it through to the end I think he's going to do just enough so Yes, there are 12 minutes and 50 seconds left on the clock, but remember, we should get to 335 laps before that. Lap time's currently hovering around the 102, 103 second marker. So we're well off the, the best lap pace that was set much earlier on by the number five Porsche of a 139. So 99.7 seconds to be exact. And uh, other cars capable of the 100-second marker. But um, some calculations have been taking place all the way through uh, this race to see whether we would get to the 1812 1812-kilometre race. We're actually going to get slightly beyond that because lap 335 will take us north of 1,812 kilometres, uh, but no further. So 335, the target. We've just completed 330 laps. So three and a bit laps to go, basically. Um, with uh, this current lap, four and a bit more laps to go, rather, for Kevin Estra, who leads by 35 and a half seconds. It was a lot, lot more than that before the final stop for the number six Porsche to ensure that it was displayed as car number six on that left-hand side. 
Well, you could just stick a camera in Matt Campbell's car for the remainder of this race. We've got 11 and a half minutes remaining. The story of the race is can he get onto the podium off that early setback for Michael Christensen? Got them out of kilter with all the other top teams, giving chase through to the end of the race. Interval to the car in front to the Callum Eilot driven number 12 Hertz team Jota entry. 1.210 seconds. Time left on the clock, 11 minutes. He's giving chase, but it's. I think it's going to come down to traffic, Johnny. A little bit more pace for the number five Porsche, but a lot of guile from Callum Eilot. He's always been quick, but he's still quite early days in prototypes. Four laps to go for the race leader, Kevin Esch over Jean-Éric Verne three seconds a gap Verne to Eilert 1.1 seconds back to Matt Campbell so Estra should have this in the bag but who's going to finish on the podium and in which order if it goes terribly wrong here for Peugeot they might only finish fourth if the two Porsches can get in front but they've only got three and a bit laps in order to do that the Peugeot will cross the line now for Jean-Éric Verne and if he dares to glance in his mirrors on this kilometre-long straight, he will see one and then two Porsches doing the chasing. Isla in the customer car from Hertz Team Jota, and uh, much closer to Isla than Isla is to Verne, is Matty Campbell, who has already been victorious at the Rolex 24 this year, at the Bathurst 12 hours this year. And can he sneak onto the podium in the closing stages of this 335-lap race? Right, not long ago we heard from Th Thomas Loudenbach, head of Porsche Motorsport. He will be delighted the Porsche 963 is going to take his first win, but his eyes will not really be looking at the number six. A little bit tatty, I wouldn't look at that one. But the battle for third place, it's fantastic. And this is the very essence. John's talked about it, I've talked about it, you've talked about it. It's about Porsche running privateer cars as well. Are oh, having privateer cars as well as having the works crew and certainly Hertz Team Chota. They're not all smiles yet. Will they be? Will they get that third place on the podium? And in some ways, there's a slight fly in the ointment. It's the fact they're catching the Persia. They're down yeah. to just 1.8 seconds off its tail. Oh, my word. Where to look? Not at the number six. We'll come to that on the final lap of the race. That's 37 seconds up the track. It's second, third and fourth. Will we have three Porsches in the top three positions? Well, that, there is potential for that. I'm sure of it. Just 60, 50 metres now separates Jean-Éric Verne from Callum Eilert. That's because they were in a braking area, I think, for turn six. As uh, Callum Eilert slices by the treble seven Aston Martin of Marco Sorensen, which in itself is on for a podium. The D-Station racing Aston running third behind Alex Riberas and the Klaus Backler-driven Porsche of Manti Pure Racing. Yeah, the one thing they didn't want to have happen was their class-leading GT3 Porsche get in the way of this fabulous battle for third place overall. Klaus Backler held his line. He didn't interrupt them. What's the gap between uh, Hertz Team Jota? 1.8 seconds still down on Jean-Éric Verne's uh, Porsche, but 1.1 seconds is all it is over Matt Campbell. There are eyes closed in some of the pit garages. The tension's really getting to them in this late stage. In what is a very long race, 10 hours, Johnny. Oof doesn't feel like we've been going for nearly 10 hours in fact we've been going for nine hours and nearly 52 minutes and we've got this lap and two more then for Matt Campbell who's right on the tail of Callum Eilert and Eilert's almost lost touch now from Jean-Éric Verne it's full defensive mode for the Hertz team Jota driver Campbell trying some slightly peculiar lines as they hit the sweepers now at turns uh, eight and nine and down into the heavy braking area at the left-hander at ten and, and I was about the, to gravel. Say, the gravel at turn nine who's it going to catch it's caught Matt Campbell it was down to point three of a second in their battle for third place 
breathe out it hurts Steve Jota you may hold on to this one but Matt Campbell he doesn't know what finished is he'll be coming back all over again the 77 Ford Mustang just about keeps out of the way the number 12 goes through and gravel everywhere it's not just on the left hand side of the track at turn nine Johnny it's right across it that was always going to be the risk for me as Campbell tried as I say something outside the box to try and um, outfuddle uh, Calamila in the closing stages because then he attacked turn nine completely offline he found himself out in the stones and has lost a significant chunk of time Gatonio up to point seven of a second though 1.3 the difference between Jean-Eric Verne and Calamila no Alec goes through into second, second place, place. So what happened there was that an error from Jean-Eric Fair. And Campbell's through as well. So suddenly it is three Porsches in the top three the positions. Peugeot's slowing dramatically. Oh. And it's that a, a fuel-related problem. Trying to work out precisely what fuel strategy the Verne car was on. He's only 15 laps into his stint. So those connected with Stellantis and Peugeot, their, their momentum suddenly drops completely. And the 93 car losing out on not only a podium finish but potentially a race finish full stop because they've still got around two more laps. We're on lap three, three, four, and one and a bit laps still to go to try and get that Peugeot to the finish. I'm just wondering if he might have picked up a puncture. Certainly some performance drops away from that car, but he just let the others through so easily. No now. Power, no Go as far as you can, go as far as you can. No power, no power. This takes you straight back to that horrible moment for Toyota at the 24 hours of Le Mans, to when WRT's car failed on the final lap of the 24 hours in the LMP2 category as well. You get nine hours and almost 55 minutes into a race, and John Eric Verne's Peugeot is on its last legs all of a sudden. There's been absolutely no indication of that. They have, of course, been forced into a race to maybe go faster than they would have wished because they've been scrapping with one, two, three Porsche 963s. But all of a sudden, we suggested it might happen. Porsche looking more likely that they will sweep the podium here. And, of course, Campbell's going to be well and truly revved up now because we hit the final lap. One more circuit of this 5.4-kilometre track to do. And Campbell still only 0.7 of a second behind Callum Islet and trying to force a mistake. Where do you start? Where do you start with that? Peugeot had, was heading for its top position ever. Its previous lap at good racing speed was almost identical pace to the cars giving chase. One minute, 44 seconds. But then the two slept, swept through. Callum Eilock passed. Matt Campbell down into turn one. Job done. And for Roger Penske, just looking across the pit, going, what is happening? What may yet happen? We're halfway around the end. Five seconds added to the end of the race time of car 51. It's not one of the front, not one of the top runners. It's the Ferrari that's uh, down in a uh, look up and down the order in a minute, but uh, doesn't affect the scorers at the top of the field. So will there be other penalties to add? I'll have a very quick look to see if everybody else is getting one coming up. But... There is Kevin Estra, though, who crosses the line to take victory for Porsche Penske Motorsport. After 335 laps, there were only four minutes remaining on the clock. 
as he hit the start and finish line. And Callum Eilert is about to, I think, finish just ahead of Matty Campbell, although they're still embroiled in a huge battle there. Customer Porsche team versus Penske Motorsport Porsche team. Sebastian Bourdais has got ahead for fourth position of a now-stopped Jean-Éric Verne, although I think he's running again, so maybe he's done a control-alt-delete. Yi Yi Fei in the Ferrari will make the top five in car number 83 because he's got ahead of the Peugeot as well. A Peugeot that began the penultimate lap in second position and the best that they can get now in the lead 9x8 will be a sixth place finish. There's 53 seconds back to Nick de Vries who might yet jump into the top six. Although if the Peugeot's running again, and it is in the final sector. It took that... Well, no, it's showing has stopped again and hasn't yet got to the line. So we're still waiting for Jean-Éric Verne's Porsche, uh, Peugeot to appear coming out of that final corner, and that might be to the benefit of Toyota. Meanwhile, in LMGT3, Bruce. Victory goes to Porsche as well. What a day of days they're having here. Klaus Backler hangs on to take victory for Manti Pure Racing. Second place in class will go to the heart of racing team, Aston Martin, just six seconds down. So if you have a Porsche set of overalls, you're jumping up and down on the pit wall. It's been an epic event for them, but well done too for Klaus Backler there and uh, Manti Pure Racing. Yes. And two Aston Martin, second yes. and third. We won it. Porsche win and some statement. What the potential we have here. Yeah! Yeah! Fucking amazing job. Amazing job. What potential we have here, screams Kevin Estes. Oh, me, uh, that engineer. means they've got more to come. Wow, so indeed. there's Kevin Estra, delighted, and so he should be. The Peugeot is stopped on the main straight and is still not showing on my screen as having finished the race or taken the chequered flag. I think it has just crossed the line and finished in seventh position. I'm still waiting for that crucial chequered flag icon next to... Jean-Éric Verne's name, but limping home just about for championship points in seventh position. Actually, the Ferrari of Nick Nielsen can't get ahead of it because it finished a further lap behind. But of course, classic ACO rules racing is that. Yeah, I don't think it's crossed the line either, and you have to cross the line, as is always the case at Le Mans and within the main championship races of the WEC. And it depends where the start and finish line are. There was certainly a line behind the Peugeot. It was marking the back of the grid, I fear, but yeah. we'll look for confirmation of that. Well, the back of the grid is different from the finish line, and there's also a safety car line there as well. Used every bit of its battery power, we reckon. And we still want confirmation that Jean-Éric Verne is classified as a finisher. It did mean that Nick de Vries was able to finish ahead of the Peugeot, though, and in sixth position. What a result, though, as well, for cars built to the LMDH regulations. Four of them occupy those top four positions. Three Porsche 963s and the Cadillac V-Series R. Checkered flag behind the Peugeot, white line also behind the Peugeot. That does rather indicate to me that it has crossed the line and bagged the result. Yeah, still not listed as having, no, having done so. And we've got two different screens on the case here, neither of them confirming that the car has reached the checkered flag. But it seems strange to me that Jean-Éric Verne is now out of the car and not attempting at least another reset uh, because... 
as long as it can leap forward a few more inches, then it's kind of locked into that position as long as it crosses the line on 334 laps. It is showing that it's completed 334 laps, crucially. So, John, do you reckon that's enough to get it to the finish? Well, that was the previous lap, JP. Um, so it, it ha- I'm, I'm not sure it's saying the chequered flag, and it will be investigated for not getting to Park Fermi under its own power. It has to drive to Park Fermi. That's the other part of the regs. And I, I can't say that it's going to be able to do that. And I, I don't think it's got across the, 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 the control line at the chequered flag. Yeah. It, Sometimes it force majeure can get you out of that Park Fermi rule because you didn't finish in the top True. three. But the more crucial thing is, if you, if you haven't crossed the line, then forget it. And, I mean, how close do you want it to be to the 335 so, laps? So, when it, when it started lap 335, which it has done, um, it, was the f- it was the final car on the lead lap, I believe. Um, Sebastian Bourdais has come across the line and... And finished on 3.34. So has Ifeyer for EF Corsa. And so has Nick de Vries for Toyota. But we have um, got a Sector 3 time for the Peugeot. Have you? 1 minute 40.3 I've got. And so that'll be the previous lap, is it not? Well, I thought those were white. As soon as you started the next lap, lap then, okay. um, yes. then the sectors are cleared. And it should just be a blank space. But it's not. It says 1 minute 40.3. But the confusing thing for me is that it still shows the Peugeot as running. It just says R-U-N next yes. to its name rather than the chequered flag. And we've got the official timing saying that. We've got various other screens confirming the fact that we'd seen the Peugeot has not finished the race. Just a horrible situation. And um, the timing of which, I mean, to go back to your fantastic tribute for about Hugh Chamberlain, who we recently lost... Um, you know, you'd want to retire from the race in the opening hour, not after 334 laps. For those, though, that are celebrating after a terrific opening event here of what is potentially a six-year contract at the Losale International Circuit, the first ever 1,812-kilometre race in Qatar is taken. The victory is taken by the number six Porsche Penske Motorsport 963 for drivers Kevin Estra who brought it across the line despite that late pit stop to attach a number to its left-hand side. Andre Lotra and Laurence Vantor with their ample share as well. The fireworks are let loose and we can get some reaction. Amazing race, congratulations and what attention until right the end. You have to do a quick pit stop to stick a number on the car. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit crazy. To be honest, I... I didn't thought I was taking risk in traffic, but somehow, I don't know, uh, we didn't understand each other a few times with some guys, and I had a massive hit with the Lexus. And after that, we had a lot of vibration, lost quite some grip, uh, but we did the last one and a half hour like this, and uh, when he told me pit this lap, I was like, please, no. But in the end, it was just a short repair and everything okay, but uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a tough end. Definitely made it uh, spicy to the end, but uh, thanks a lot to the whole team. I mean, they made, a, made an amazing car for this weekend. No issues, great balance. So I'm really, really pleased and, and happy uh, where, we, where we end up today compared to where we started last year. It's quite a, an amazing uh, jump and 
yeah, thanks a lot to my teammates and, and to the whole uh, Porsche Penske team. Excellent. Does it look good for next year, for the next races? Sorry. Yeah, well, I guess we are we are in front. We we show that we we have the potential on this track. Imola is a very very different track than here, uh, so we'll have to we'll have to find the the right setup for there. But definitely, it uh, feels great to be on the top of the podium, and uh, we'll definitely enjoy it. Congratulations! Thank you. Thank you. I think it's still soaking in for Kevin Estra precisely what was presented to him during that final stint. There was a great deal that the team were trying not to make him think about. They didn't want to detail too much about what was necessary in that pit stop. But if there is a repair that needs to happen, Kevin, it's going to be very short, about 20 seconds. But yeah, a penny for his thoughts at that moment. And just as you were saying that, he walked off the podium and you could just see him say the French version of phew yes and breathe out breathe again I know yes John how cool was that at the last stop we saw something similar didn't we at, at Le Mans with uh, Ferrari who'd been battling that restarting problem all the way through to the point where they put the restart procedure on a sticker above the driver's head but it wasn't working so they had to go through it again and everyone was holding their breath um, they didn't have to stop the engine at least in Kevin Estra's car because they weren't going to put any fuel in so it, but how cool somebody goes and reads the rule book how are we going to put a, an illuminated um, panel on the side of the car when we haven't got the side of the car the connections have gone Oh, hang on a minute, we don't need it. We just need a sticker somewhere on the side. Just incredibly quick thinking, talking to race control and telling them what they were going to do. Just brilliant from Porsche Pinsky Motorsport. And exactly the opposite of what we've seen sometimes in the past with Porsche Penske in some of the long races. They haven't had the best... Um, they have not had... The, the best record in the longer races and that's it what a way to break their duck history being made with the first IMSA win in the WEC DPI 2.0 LMDH call it what you will or you know GTP as it's called now but effectively that was the DPI extended DPIH regulations which had you know had been around for a long time before we finally managed to get them all squared away and a win for convergence as well and that is going to resonate gentlemen massively throughout the original equipment manufacturer the car manufacturer community with at least two manufacturers that i know of looking to see what is going on this year and whether there's an opportunity for LMDHs to win the longer races, and particularly Le Mans, of course. Well, all right, one swallow, dot, 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 uh, doesn't make a championship. But we have taken a huge step, a huge step forward here. Toyota supporters won't be happy, Ferrari supporters won't be happy, but, you know, they fought back um, with the... Nicholas Nielsen car, I didn't think either of the red cars would get any points and they actually finished 8th and 14th with the, the third AF Corsa car uh, in 5th position uh, Toyota as I say won't be happy but my goodness me that is an important result a huge result uh, for this championship and for the world of endurance racing yeah, Looking back at some of the results last year it did seem like the, the hypercars the LMHs had uh, a slight performance advantage compared to the LMDHs. Cadillac were on the podium uh, a few occasions 
last year and uh, the Porsches often mixing it as well. But every race was won by Toyota, bar the 24 hours of Le Mans. That's a Ferrari victorious, of course. And very often the LMDH cars had not one but two hypercars in front of them. The, le- the playing field does appear to have been levelled now. And, uh, well, this race would rather suggest it's gone perhaps the other way. But, but you know, that denies Peugeot the result that they deserved, I would say. Uh, Peugeot built to the the LMH regulations. Mm. And we very nearly had one of those cars finishing in second position. I think they deserved that result uh, today. They, they they ran a good pace. They ran a good strategy. Um, under investigation, um, at the moment, that number 93 car for technical infringement. Uh, and also the um, number 82, Daniel Hunkadea, TF Sport. Um, they have not had a good day today. They have had pace this week in the Corvette Z06. One didn't finish with a gearbox problem. Uh, they managed to get into the top 10 for Danny Hunkadea at the end there, but he's going to get a penalty um, for uh, 30 seconds for track limits at the end. Uh, Tom Ferrier will not be happy uh, with that, but there's some good stories in the GT3 field as well, gentlemen. Yeah, certainly if you're a fan of Aston Martin, they came home in second and third overall, so they're looking very, very good. Also good to see the way no qualifying pace whatsoever from the Team WRT BMWs, John, and yet they they managed to vault up the order to place themselves very, very well indeed in class, just outside the top podium. Let's go to the podium ceremonies for the top three uh, and the overall podium winners... Will be Porsche Penske Motorsport from Hertz Team Jordan and Porsche Penske Motorsport. They did sweep the podium. What a result for Stuttgart and for Weissack, JP. Tremendous. And uh, also the fact that this car, whether in Penske's hands or in a customer's hands, in this case Hertz Team Jota, is likely to be competitive. Proton have got their hands on one as well. And uh, that's really quite refreshing for me that it's not a Penske 1-2, uh, that Hertz, Hertz Team Jota were able to hang on to that second-place finish despite Matty, Matty Campbell's every effort. Do you think the 132nd model that they'll do of that car will have the big dent out the side and the slightly wonky sticker on the back? It'll have to, won't they? I think if I, I would want my money back if it didn't, or I would get a claw hammer out and uh, you know do the work myself. <laughs> Here's the national anthem then of the winning crew, the winning team, Porsche Penske Motorsport with their 963. So two German flags behind the heads of the crew from Porsche number six and number five to complete the lineup in five. Matt Campbell, Michael Christensen 
and Fred Makaviki, but it is the union flag behind Callum Eilert from car number 12, Will Stevens and Norman Natto for Hertz Team Jota with their German car, of course. Three Porsche 963s will look very, very good indeed for Porsche fans and for the manufacturer on the press releases to come after the first 1,812-kilometre race at Qatar. Cadillac just missing out. In fact, they were a fair way away from getting onto the podium, a full lap as it turns out. Ferrari break into the top five, but the big, big story was the late demise of the Peugeot 9x8 for Jean-Éric Verne. You know, when you look back across history, I hope people don't forget that that was there until mm. the bitter, bitter end, because people sometimes just look back at results, we move on to other races, but Peugeot put down their marker. I'm hearing from Andrew Cotton, West Car Engineering, that the Peugeot did cross the line. Uh, and crossed the control line under the check flag. It hasn't shown that on the timing and scoring screen, but neither is the number 99 brought on competition, interestingly enough. Um, so I, I maybe just a glitch in our timing. Um, usually, everything after the check and flag comes subservient. That the problem problem could be not getting to um, part firm here, but as Johnny said, that might be weird for part firm. A Porsche with four of six podium spots uh, when you count them up, and Aston Martin with the other two. So we talk so much about the variety and the amount of manufacturers, and in two podiums there's only two two manufacturers, which is which is kind of an irony, isn't it? Totally. Nice yeah. picture though. Nice picture for Porsche though, with uh, for Porsche rather, with the uh, the two cars on the uh, on the 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 dais in, in front of the podium that's going to look good in this in the socials tomorrow i think at any one point through you know if you did a snapshot every hour let's say then uh, this particular result might well have looked unlikely with the exception of of Manti Pure Racing because they took a stranglehold on the LMGT3 lead nice and early Tom van Rompuy sadly didn't last too long out front after he was out muscled by Alex Malikin and that rather set the foundations for the number 92 Porsche to never look back we may have had a BMW on the GT3 podium because Maxime Martin actually faded towards the end but prior to the final group of pit stops the Belgian was ahead in the Belgian run BMW M4 but for a supreme pace from Marco Sorensen in an Aston Martin Vantage he knows very well which at the time included the fastest category lap. That was betted eventually by Alessio Rivera's Ferrari, but Sorensen was on a full charge there in the D-Station racing Aston Martin Here's to secure GT3 a double podium. Yeah, let's get reaction from LMGT3. Congratulations to all of you. Joel, I spoke to you earlier on in the race. You look confident, happy with the result? Uh, yeah, of course. It's, uh, it's a mega result. Uh, first race, first win is always nice, so uh, really happy. Yeah. Okay. Alex, a few words from you. Did you expect that win? Yeah, of course we expect for win. We expect for fighting for win, and uh, we did the maximum what we can do. And uh, yes, I'm happy, a little bit tired, but yeah, this is very good result for us. Yeah, and uh, thank you, team. They prepared car very well. Yeah, and uh, my teammates, uh, mega. Thank you, Cloud. Thank you, Joel. It's a pleasure to drive with you. Well, that's good to have this. Uh 
working out between teammates Klaus. Um, the car looks really strong because the two cars were doing very well until the, the, the other one had an issue. So it looks good for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think uh, already before the season I said uh, we are really good prepared. We have a really good package uh, with the team, with the car, uh, with my teammates. Uh, we have proven it already uh, before this uh, start here uh, with Asian Le Mans. Joel Sturm, Alex Malikin, and uh, latterly there, Klaus Backler, who uh, did a, a real lot of the heavy lifting and the really supreme laps. You would expect nothing less, really, from the uh, Austrian driver. Uh, but as I say, those foundations were initially set by Malikin and uh, rather gave his two teammates, uh, I won't say an easy job, but a, a, a job that they could fully focus on and set about their targets nice and early on. They didn't have to necessarily chase anybody during their stints, just actually set a marker for everybody else. And uh, the Heart of Racing team, Aston Martin, crossing the line inside five seconds. In actual fact, the GT3 field almost got to the 300-lap marker. They finished on 299 in the end and here's the national anthem of the winning team Lithuania Manti Pure Racing, a new name to the World Endurance Championship and surely the first time we've heard the Lithuanian national anthem at the end of an FIA WEC race. Great to have again yet more variety. We've talked about it in the manufacturer world, but from a, a nationality uh, point of view as well, terrific. And uh, the sister Manti car, should that do well later on, we will hear the German national anthem for that. But Pure Racing and an entry for the duration of the WEC. We will see these guys 24 hours of Le Mans, therefore, in three races' time. So two doses of Aston Martin, D-Station Racing in third of overall. Heart of Racing team always in that battle, as you pointed out, Johnny, down to 4.8 seconds in arrears of class victory at the end. A good chase, but Klaus Backler had just enough in the tank to take that victory uh, for Mantai Pure Racing. And, yeah, it's a question of other teams that, you know, had good packages coming here, and even as little time ago as yesterday, where uh, the TF Sport Corvettes looked very strong, question mark I suppose as to how good the Lamborghini Huracans would be straight out of the box in terms of them being new to this particular championship the Ferrari 296s um, both featuring in the top seven but again it's a it's still quite a new car to GT3 racing and then all the extra bits and bobs you have to attach to uh, a GT3 to make it an LM GT3 so that 296 I think will come good later on particularly in the hands of AF Corsa well, gents, um, I think this was a success. 
Uh, I liked the jeopardy of the qualifying into Hyperpool that you and I watched on Friday at JP. And as far as what we've seen is concerned, um, Toyota, who have been dominant in this form of racing for some time, their plus point this weekend, I, I'm, I believe you should always take a plus point. Their plus point was Nick DeVries, Bruce. He is back, he's fast. Um, they're not happy with the BOP. Um, well, I'll have to go back and look at the numbers. I don't think they did very much wrong, uh, to be honest. But um, they'll they'll want to unlock some more performance if they can uh, from from that car. But Nick DeVries is is their big plus. Uh, yeah, he, well, we've all seen his career. We saw it slightly falter in Formula One, but he's always been quick. Always been a really positive. Uh, presence in any team he's raced for from casting the whole way up smile on his face but pace aplenty but the fact is that uh, the Toyota at the moment is at a minimum of half a second off the pace and actually comparing its fastest lap to the fastest lap from Matt Campbell we're talking two and a half seconds John yeah, night follows day but that was night and day difference that, that's the sort of numbers that we were looking at between them and LMDHs or Glickenhaus in fact isn't it when they were we're running JP Ferrari uh, red cars bad yellow cars good <laughs> apparently although of course they get the cup points only even though that's in the F course of run car and it's, it's run with Ferrari assistance they are not in the overall championship although it was a good fight back from the number 50 I remember seeing early on oh well, that's it neither of the Ferraris are going to get any points yeah and uh, making the best of a, a bad situation <laughs> Rather the similar to Tom Ferrier's outfit, you know, some of that was self-inflicted to make an error like crossing the blend line when you're coming in for a pit stop. And that was the sort of start of the problems for that particular Ferrari. Uh, there was the issue, obviously, re- losing the rear deck of one of the, of course, uh, so-called factory t- uh, cars as well. And you would have expected them to have got all this bad luck or... Uh, errors of judgment out of the way in their first season they were managed to eradicate it for 24 hours last June I I said earlier on in the piece that you're allowed one off day it might be that they've had theirs very early on in a a high point scoring race and here is the cup podium going on now so it's Hertz team Jota from AF Corsa and so he's going to be third. Another Porsche that. crew, perchance. Proton oh, yes. competition. Proton, yes. H. Tinkle and the gang. Yeah, very good. Bruce uh, Alpine said earlier in the week to Sportscar 365 they wanted to be the best of the new cars. We thought that that was a little bit ambitious because BMW had been running for a year in IMSA, but they were the best. Actually, let's just have the national anthem of Jota. Sam and the rest of the team, Sam Tinkle and the rest of the team from Tunbridge Wells will be delighted with winning the Cup and they get their 38 points for that. 
Uh, they were 33 seconds away from a victory, and that's what they'll be aiming for for the rest of the season, won't they? 100%, John. You know, they, they, that's the best result they've achieved since they picked up a Porsche 963 last year. Um, but you build on these things. And don't forget they're running two cars this year. Sudden misfortune for the sister car. But, you know, they got one in and they resisted the storm. They weathered the storm. Callum Eilert really stout towards the end of the race because certainly the, the storm was coming was Matt Campbell. He got so close and, and he just got a little too close off in the gravel or got wide at the gravel right in the close. Such a dramatic end to the race. But uh, you could see the pressure was really on Jota and they delivered. So that is massive for them, I would suggest. Go back to Alpine with you, uh, Johnny. We were talking about them wanting to be the best in the new cars. We thought that was unlikely, but they they have de delivered. And Philippe Signor and the rest of the team will be absolutely delighted that they were the best of the brand new cars. Yeah, and that's lending itself to all the experience they've gained in other categories, I suppose. I mean, remember when they were right up against it in LMP1, bringing oh, from LMP1 into hypercar, bringing that old car and trying to get it to perform up against much uh, more developed cars, much more complicated cars, and actually getting a couple of wins along the way as well, which nobody expected. They were helped, of course, that year with a bit of balance of performance as well to make the championship interesting, but they'll be delighted. They've done so much development work on this car. I mean, they spent a lot of last year looking after it, and they said, you know, we're actually going to turn our back on hypercar and race in LMP2 whilst we develop this brand new A424 and, and they're getting their rewards nice and early yes. in the season remember Le Mans again is another for them another team at a home race so really important that they perform well in June uh, let's look at some of the other uh, we're not going to have time to go through all of the GT3s but I want to mention Cadillac first of all in uh, in the hypercar class Bruce that flew under the radar got their strategy absolutely right did the whole race on nine pit stops um, which was very impressive and finished with fourth place points which as we've said for a singleton car they've got to be there and they've got to be scoring points for the whole season yeah they're full of ambition they had to do things differently they couldn't have a split strategy because as you pointed out before john they would love two entries. They only have one, but they absolutely made the most of it. And, you know, really, really solid performance. And don't forget, in the opening stint, the front left corner of that car looked as though a Rottweiler had had a go at it. And certainly that mm. wouldn't have helped uh, helped the aerodynamics for uh, the first stage of the race. But there they were at the end. Obviously got moved from fifth to fourth with the demise right at the end of the Peugeot. But, again, a really good reckoning. And they'll be pleased. They'll have learnt some lessons in that. And others might have looked at the way that Cadillac Racing handled the race and thought, you know what, if it's a race that's not going to have many incidents, doing that's those full stints is. is a very good way of doing it. I'm not sure we'll yeah. have such a luxury of choice when we come to Imola for round two, but they, they absolutely de delivered today. So fourth place for Cadillac, I think they'll be pleased with that. Persia was fuel, we're hearing from those that know. So that was, it seems to be, a mistake from them. We'll get the full details on that. We'll be talking about that on Midweek Motorsport on Wednesday, uh, a tale of two classes for BMW. They weren't expecting to set the world alight and be at the sharp end of the field, but finishing 12th and 16th in Hypercar, I don't think is where they wanted to be, and yet they did turn the corner with the GT3 cars, but you've got to give as much, uh, as much praise as you can to Manti and Pure Racing. They were there right the way through. They're safe, Klaus Barkley till the end, and two good performances from the Aston Martins. I think Vista AF Corsa 
were there or thereabouts for the first half. That was good. We've got a great season in prospect, Johnny, as we uh, finish up from here at the Qatar area race. Qatar 18-12. It was 18-14.75 uh, for the three cars on the podium. And there are only seven weeks to wait for the second race of the FIA World Endurance Championship, where all of these cars will thankfully be air freighted to Emilia-Romagna for round two, but a first ever race for the FIA WEC around the tight confines of the Imola track. And uh, if you thought that this had been dicey at certain points, well, there is very slim margin for error around that tight and twisty track. It's got massive elevation change as well. And remember, we'll have 19 hypercars all being well and 18 LMGT3s once more. And it won't take long at all for the front end of the hypercar field to catch the tail enders. And that will be the rest of the six hours. So the dates for your diary for the next round of the FIA World Endurance Championship, Saturday the 20th of April, Sunday the 21st of April, FP3 in the morning on Saturday, followed a few hours later by another, I'm sure, highly enthralling uh, qualifying plus hyperpole sessions. So all the cars in each of the classes out initially, and then the top 10 will progress into a double dose of hyperpole. And then on the Sunday, a, a shorter race, the six hours of Imola on Sunday, the 21st of April. And of course, every part of those three. Uh, parts of the weekend will be covered here on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Thank you so much to uh, Bruce Giovanni and Louise Beckett in the pit lane, to John Hindoff, to Bruce Jones, who've joined me, Johnny Palmer, in the Global Broadcast Centre, and to Tim Gray, our executive producer, for keeping us on air for the last couple of days. I think the scene is set here for a fascinating eight-race season. That's a big... Uh, window into what we might expect but many teams perhaps are leaving this event with rather more questions than answers and we only have two more races to go of course before the big one in June the 24 hours of Le Mans the 101st anniversary if you like edition of this fabulous race and uh, this is just a small part of that entry of course with LMP2s to be added into the mix by the time we get to Circuit de la Sarte as well. So, from John Hindoff, from Bruce Jones and me, Johnny Palmer, we'll see you for the WEC in seven weeks' time. Bye-bye for now. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.